This program is a collaboration of personal opinions and individual free thought. It does not represent the views or narrative of the mainstream corporate media hacks. Viewer discretion is advised. And here we go. From the bell tower, taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and whatever else you're claiming to be these days, welcome to the live edition of the Break the Bell Podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. It is Tuesday night. It is Tuesday. We are late. We're a day. Late. We, we're just like fuck. We forgot. That's no, <laughs> no. We are day late because we have a special guest on this week, and that is Jose Jose Gallison of the No Way Jose podcast. And we're going to be getting him on in a couple of minutes, and we're going to be talking about anti-government sentiment. You know that fun, oh, yeah. happy, happy topic that we like to discuss. Yes. Make sure we get put on as many lists as possible. Exactly, and that's what we call Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> How many lists do you think we're on so far? Oh, gosh. At least a dozen. Have we made it on uh, Hillary Clinton's suicide list yet? That's the real No, question. no. That's when you know you got the big time. I mean, <laughs> YouTube is like, okay, that's that's okay. You're like in the amateur league, but man, you get it on Hillary's list. Yeah, yeah. that's how you know you've made you it. Made is it. When you've yep. <laughs> two bullets to the back of the head, yep. you have made Suicide. it. Suicide. Yes. <laughs> Locked in a trunk with the keys thrown yep. on the other side of a field. You know you made it. That's where I want to go. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about specifically the anti-government sentiment of the 1990s because it, it interests me. Yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. grew up in the 90s. I was a I was a little shitland though. So sure. I don't really remember all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really, I had no, like, kind of realization that the shit was right. going on back then. Yeah. Um, because I was, like, in a bubble. And this, I was very, uh, kind of, uh, living under a rock, right. too. So It's, it's when I started paying attention yeah. is when this stuff was going on. Yeah, so you, you have firsthand knowledge, kind of, like, right. me- memorable experience. I do remember, like, uh... I, I remember hearing about Waco, like mm-hmm. my parents joking about it, because that's the, what you do with yeah. like mass murder of children and right. U.S. citizens, is you joke about it. I mean, that's what we do. So, well, yeah. I always thought it was funny that you had um, Waco, you had the Oklahoma City, and then you had um, Columbine all happening like right there next to Hitler's birthday. Yeah, it's like the same. Right, right. Because his was what four twenty, right? Yeah, April twentieth. Yeah. yeah, and I I feel like there is some kind of like. Uh, symbolism and dates yeah. and numbers and stuff that that I mean, my conspiracy brain thinks that oh, yeah, is right. intentional. So absolutely. <clears throat> so we're we're going to be talking about a lot of this stuff uh, from like Ruby Ridge to Waco mm-hmm. to the Oklahoma City bombing to the militia movement of the nineties. I mean, it was just a yeah. kind of a weird time. Yeah, it was kind of like the uh, the right like of the sixties. Yeah. Right. right, exactly. So, um, uh, a lot of weird stuff happening. A lot of like pushback, and then all of a sudden, it was just like gone. Right, 
Yeah. So we're going to talk about all those things. Once we get Jose in here, he is in the waiting area, so we want to keep this intro nice and short. Um, we got to mention our sponsors, obviously. That is Run Your Mouth Coffee. Let me find their, their logo. There it is. Uh, Run Your Mouth Coffee supports our right to be able to speak out against the government and be able to hate the government if we want to, you know? And I, I, I feel like the two of us kind of collectively have somewhat of a hatred towards yeah. the government. Well, when you when which you is dangerous. Have your obviously. eyes open. It's it's only natural, I think. <laughs> right. And that that's that's the key is having your eyes yeah. open. So, uh Run Your Mouth Coffee supports our right to be able to say this stuff here without yes. getting put on a Hillary Clinton hit list. Um or if we want to Getting put on, on the list. Clinton, <laughs> Clinton hit list. Yes. Um, go to rymcoffee.com. They also, oh yeah, forgot to mention, they also make really good coffee. They do. They do. They, they support all these things, and they also make delicious <laughs> yes. coffee. Go to rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using the promo code, break the bell, and you'll get 10% off your purchase, plus free shipping, and that's a good deal. Um, support biz- small businesses that stand up for your rights and stand Absolutely. for the things that you stand for. Uh, don't. I mean, don't just go for convenient because it's convenient, even though those like big corporations like stand for everything you're against. Uh, support small businesses that support you. Absolutely. Like Run Your Mouth Coffee. Yes. RYMCoffee.com. Uh, another quick shout out. Um, you started a morning show. I did. I yes. did. I was just about to get there. Boom. New morning show out. Uh, me and my brother of the System is Down podcast decided to, to collaborate together to... Uh, win all of your hearts and souls, and we're doing a new show called the Two Scoops Morning News Show, or something. It's called Two Scoops. Two Scoops. Two Scoops. Um, Fill in the blanks. It's going to be every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 7 a.m. when we feel like it, because it's not going to be this Thursday, <laughs> because I'm not going to be here, and it may not be on se- at 7 a.m. every day, every Tuesday and Thursday, but tentatively, it's at 7 a.m. every Tuesday and Thursday. But we always have that. We reserve the right to say if we feel like it. So uh, this morning we kicked that off. It was kind of a surprise. We were just like, hey, guys, here we are. Um, go back and check that out. It's on both of our podcast platforms and both of our, boast, both of our YouTube channels. Um, we, we Just a little kind of uh, hint of what we talked about. We talked about uh, Hillary Clinton's new line of hats and also... Some black people do look alike. Those are the the conversations of this morning. So it's a short form for all you people that are like, I cannot sit down and listen to a two-hour show, two-and-a-half-hour show. You guys need to shorten it up. We got something for you now. It is like 20 to 30 minutes max because that's all the time I'm willing to give that early in the morning. So uh, you can sit down while you're enjoying your coffee in the morning. You run your mouth coffee. You run your mouth coffee, obviously, and listen to us talk about some more bizarre bullshit, I guess. It's like, we're like, you know, we don't do this thing enough. We should do more of it. We need to get them in the morning. It's like, we're not get, we don't get enough downloads, enough viewers uh, for one show, so we bumped it to two shows, which that, that's how you get more viewers, of right? Course, of and course. then we're like, you know what? We need more viewers, so we bumped it to spread it out to three shows. It worked for CSI. It did. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now we are across the board. So we got a morning show. Two scoops. Check it out. First episode dropped this morning. Uh, go go, give it a like, a follow, a subscribe. It's going to be uh, alternating back and forth between 
our our channel and his channel, so you can't just get comfortable on one channel if you want to hear both of them each week. You gotta jump back and yeah, forth. And there's always a cliffhanger, so you gotta yes, jump over. You you gotta jump over. So um yeah, that's the two scoop show. Make sure you check it out. Uh check us out all over social media. Uh we're at Break the Bell Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I, I don't know where else. Back I'll, on YouTube. Yeah, back on we are back on YouTube. Yes, for a while. Uh, we got to get into this intro video because uh, Jose is waiting for us, and I'm excited for this conversation because who doesn't like talking about hate of the government? Right. We will be right back in just a minute. What did you say? You talking to me? What? What the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Jose Gallison, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, it's a completely made up name, so it doesn't matter. Okay. So. Well, I, I just saw it <laughs> nice. on YouTube, so I just son of Galley. There you go. I <laughs> see, see, Senor Jose, um, yeah. totally made up name, I guess. So, um, is Jose totally made up too? Jose is made up. Okay. Uh, yeah. Damn. Okay. I feel like we need pseudonyms. Now. I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've been because I've been kind of trying to process in my head how such a white guy has a name like Jose uh, for like the entire week here, and now I feel like a total dumbass. So I just tell people I'm Argentinian, and then like you know let them connect the dots. They're like, oh, 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 that makes sense. Uh, are, 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 they're they're like Nordic. Spaniard, <laughs> South American, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's some Aryans there. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Jose, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, I'm glad you, you're having me here. I, I wanted to real quick touch on uh, the how a lot of black people look alike. I thought it was kind of funny because uh, probably the reason you brought me here is I'm doing like an OKC series right now, mm -hmm. and what drew me into the OKC series was the story of Terrence Hickey. Uh, who is like the hero cop who like saved multiple people in OKC. Yes. Uh, and it seems like he had some information and then, you know, he, he, you know, died by suicide in the most bizarre suicide, you know, ever. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, something about the fact that he looks like very much like my, one of my best friends and like, but I guarantee if I showed him, he'd just be like, like it's one of those ones where he's like a generic black dude face, and then my buddy kind of has a generic black dude face. So it's like they just yes. kind of look alike in that way. It could be just in the same way. Terry, Mc... just like Timothy McVeigh looks like every other white dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, that is uh, actually what uh, re-sparked my interest in this whole '90s era because I've been meaning to do a show where I dig into kind of the the militia movement and the, like the anti-government sentiment of the mm -hmm. 90s i've been meaning to do it for a couple of years now i just haven't and then um i saw you had posted in a group 
kind of conversation amongst fellow podcasters that you put out this uh, Oklahoma City bombing series. And it st- you posted the first episode, and I was like, oh, shit, I really got to listen to that. And then I kind of forgot about it until you posted the fifth episode. And I was like, <laughs> all right. I'm really getting into it now. Yeah, five <laughs> a five-part series. This has got to be good. And so I, I gave it a listen. I, I started the first one, and I binge listened to them for the next two days, like straight back-to-back all five episodes, because it was the most in- in-depth uh, explanation of the Oklahoma City bombing that I have I've ever heard. I've never heard some of the things that. What, what, what was the name of your guest again? Richard. Booth? Richard Booth, who's a. I don't know if he's technically considered part of the Libertarian Institute, but he's basically their OKC guy. He has mm-hmm. a. They have like an OKC archive there that he manages all that. Does he's a big OKC researcher? I guess mm-hmm. he's like kind of a sort of a protege of one of the main uh, researchers that was involved in the OKC stuff in the beginning. I believe he was either a consultant or somehow was an assistant to the defense of McVeigh. Uh, you know, not to say that he has any sympathies for McVeigh, but just right. more like trying to expose the larger story. Yeah. So. Yeah. And there, there was a lot more to that story than I was ever, ever mm-hmm. aware of. And that guy's extensive to say <sighs> the least. I thought we dug yeah. deep on our shows. <clears throat> that was, that was really good. And so I figured you've spent the last five weeks or whatever talking about kind of that time frame. So why not come on and continue to talk about that time period? Yeah, uh, I do want to be very clear. I was born in 91. So uh, uh, you guys may be a little bit more equipped to actually speak to the feeling of the times. I was very young. Well, I was telling Um, him I I was born in 85, but I was very sheltered. So um, I don't really remember living like i remember the events but i don't remember like any personal feelings towards it or anything right. like that so um yeah. bill's a little bit older so he says he that was when he kind of was yeah 95 i had just graduated from high school so or i'd been out a year already so you know already working and yeah working on a military base and yeah i totally remember <laughs> seeing all that stuff happen so but um, we didn't have you on to be a resident expert. We just right. had you on to talk about it because that's what yeah. we want to do. Yes. So yeah. tell us a little bit about you before, like uh, a quick intro of who Jose is, if, since that's not really your real name. <laughs> we'll, we'll just go with that. Jose. <laughs> who is, quote unquote, Jose? Uh, Jose Galison. I'm just a dude who runs a podcast. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I got out of active duty military about... Um, like over a year and some change i uh i don't know i have like a libertarian ish podcast but i named it Ho- no way jose purposely because the fact that uh i didn't want to like pigeonhole myself which is kind of you know like i've done a lot mm-hmm. of theory stuff so but i've also you know now i'm kind of doing this i just kind of go whichever way my uh uh i don't know my current interests at the time are pulling me mm-hmm. uh, which is why i'm kind of like now going down deep dive now i'm like re- reading a whole lot of stuff in, like mk ultra because there are mk ultra aspects of the okc stuff mm-hmm. so like uh, yeah, I'm uh, yeah, I'm just a dude as a show that covers shit he wants to talk about, and that's really about it. Uh, so I don't know how I haven't gone nuked off YouTube yet. Uh, I've done cover just about every topic that you'd think would. Yeah, I uh, I did a I don't know if I can say the n word here, but I said the n word. Uh, I did an episode covering the n word Rogan thing. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, it was it was pretty great. Uh, <laughs> and you didn't get, and we got nuked yeah. because we kept. <laughs> Talking about vaccines. That's what we right. got okay. nuked for. Yeah. So I think yeah. the final nail was the election, though, wasn't it? That got us finally I, nuked. I don't I think. I don't yeah. freaking. Oh, yeah. They went back and dug back some old shit to yeah. to nail the yeah. final nail in the coffin. And it was like yeah. election results and stuff. And it's just yeah. like that was like a year and a half. Right. 
old <laughs> episode that we got nuked for, and it was, it was retarded. So yeah. um, I'll get nuked for saying retarded. Probably. So that's okay. I, I, it blows my mind. Some people do and some people don't, because I've covered that as well. I mean, uh, maybe it's because I haven't gone too hard on the vaccine stuff, although I don't shy away from it. I just yeah. haven't done a whole lot of content covering it because it's pretty saturated and everyone's pretty much on it. Right. So, you know, just it's not really something that interests me all that much. I yeah. mean, it interests right. me, but not in the, like, a, I'm going to do a dive on it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we do the same thing. We just cover what's in, right. interesting to us at the time. We usually try to keep it somewhat relevant to today, but mm. then some weeks when the news is just a repeated cycle right. every single week, we decide, hey, let, let's go back and talk about something else yeah. that's let's interesting. Let's dive into something. Yep. So this week we're going to talk about, take a more in-depth dive into this 90s era because I find it interesting and right. you don't you don't hear a lot of people discussing it like you do like mm -hmm. the 60s movements and 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 things like that but right. uh, I feel like it was a pretty critical moment almost like a turning point in US mm. politics and uh I I don't know this I I feel like we we're almost at a cusp of a movement actually getting something done and accomplishing something and then Oklahoma City happened and it all kind of went away. Right. Yeah. Which, which weirdly kind of like you were talking about the relevancy and the, I guess you were kind of talking about like covering relevant topics. I actually feel like, I think that's part of why my OKC, uh, for one, I think Richard Booth has obviously done a great job and, uh, he's, you know, I got lucky getting him, but I think part of why this is story is hitting so hard right now is I actually think it really speaks a lot to the times, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously, and, you know, we saw the Trump stuff, you know, who, who knows how that's going to fall out. There's already been articles of the uh, Fed or not, I guess I say Fed boys, but it was the, uh, the, the media, which I mean, I don't know, Project Mockingbird, they're damn near all feds to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, but um, there, I've already seen articles of like them, like kind of implying like, Oh no, like we're, we're kind of keeping an eye out for uh, domestic uh, mm -hmm. terrorist attacks mm -hmm. and blah, blah. It's like, okay, they're already kind of starting the chatter. Yeah. Right. Uh, I would not be the least bit surprised if we see something like that. Uh, Cause I mean, after covering this, OKC see stuff, I am, uh, I hesitate to say exactly what I think it was, but at the very least, the the official narrative is complete horseshit, and the yeah. and the powers that be have their hands covered in a lot of blood in some right. way, shape, or form. Whether that whether that's in a cover up or whether they actively actually did it, right. it's kind of hard to say. Honestly, I lean towards kind of actively did it, but there mm -hmm. are ways to explain it based on the information we have that it was maybe just some sort of oversight and just the fact that there's tiered levels of like intelligence within their ops mm -hmm. that maybe someone went rogue or changed some details or whatever to where it's, you can't necessarily say it was like an intentional, like big fed boy thing, maybe some lower level guys or something. Uh, but yeah, it is definitely, I think it is relevant to the times uh, very much. Yeah. yeah. Does it, does it seem to you that, because I mean, we had, in the 80s, it was like basically owned by the Republicans, right? You had Reagan and then Bush. And then all of a sudden, it's like 92, Clinton comes in. All of a sudden, there's anti-government sentiment, right? Things die down when GW comes up. Obama's back in. All of a sudden, the Tea Party's in full effect. Mm. More extremists. Then Trump's in. I mean, yeah, the media doesn't like it, but whatever. And then all of a sudden, Biden's in, and all of a sudden, they're gearing up for something again. Well, I, I had seen several articles that tied it to election cycles like that. It's like mm. every time a Democrat's in office, all these right-wing uh, right. militiamen come out in full force because they think they're going to take our guns and stuff. Right. And it's just like, well, if they'd stop saying we're going to take your right. guns, maybe these people would stop thinking that they're going to take our guns. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm actually like I told you, I've been going to MK Ultra deep dive. I've been looking at like the Manson stuff mm-hmm. and like how that connects. And mm-hmm. there definitely was, you know, the for one. Okay, uh, there was PatCon, which was happened during the '90s, which was like essentially the Feds. It's stuff that's been complete. Like, there's it's basically confirmed. PatCon was a operation where they're infiltrating right wing groups and fucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure it would differ depending on who you ask what their true motive was. But the idea of to infiltrate, have information, maybe muddy up their operations, whatever. They had ones prior to that where it's like most a lot of people know COINTEL. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you also have uh, there was Operation K or maybe it's not Operation, but it was Chaos is the other one, which where they were kind of infiltrating the left, the mm-hmm. Black Panthers, the hippies, right. uh, stuff like that. So. But I do think maybe there's something to the fact that uh, Trump, the reason why, because it kind of goes back and forth, uh, and they're probably also doing both at the same time all the right. time. But just, I think there's definitely focuses depending on the era. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're going to have the right-wing militias during the Clinton uh, time. But I think Trump, I think they really had a hard time ginning up like a genuine like uh, opposition. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there was opposition, but it's like, it's like that NPC bullshit. Whereas like you, you had like the Black Panthers and the hippies and, they had some legitimate concerns and they, they, uh, they were actually like about that life. Mm, uh, right. and then same thing with the right wing militias. Whereas like, I just feel like the people who were like anti Trump to the extreme just weren't really serious people in that way. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we didn't really get a whole lot of that. So maybe it kind of broke the cycle in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's kind of extended the, uh, the, the attack on the right wing, uh, not to sound, you know, cookies kind of this, the two wings, of the same bird type right. bullshit or whatever. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you think, and it, you just kind of got my mind thinking here. Do you think maybe, um, cause yeah, there is, some um, some extreme sentiment on the left as well as the right with like black Panthers or, uh, what was the Antifa, Antifa, um, back two or three years ago. Do you think, right. And then you have obviously the right, like the boogs and stuff like that. Um, do you think the the fact that the left is more like big government, more like ter- take care of me, um, like uh, you know, like welfare state type mentality, and the right is like more right extremists are going to be more like uh, survivalists, or mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go out in the woods and take care of myself. Do you think maybe that has to do? Maybe that plays a part in the success or the amount of noise or the amount of uh, maybe even fear, maybe even fear that the government has towards the right more than the left groups, because the left kind of needs the the government government, to survive. The right's like, fuck the government. We're going to go live in the woods by ourselves on a mountain. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I think it's probably a better way to put it than what I, I, I said, actually. Because uh, yeah, there, that definitely is the case. Like the with the Antifa types, there's not it's not really any sort of threat to the establishment in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the Bla- Black Panthers and the hippies, they were very much like super hardcore anti-war. The Black Panthers were very much you know like individualism. Yeah, sure, maybe it was coming from like a left-wing perspective in some senses. I believe Malcolm X was like kind of a, a little bit of a commie in some in some eras. I think he may have changed his, his thoughts along the way, but he very much was pushing like the idea of like, hey, let's come together as a community and kind mm-hmm. of you know be uh, you know independent and mm-hmm. you know don't start no shit, but don't take no shit kind of deal. Right. Um, but whereas the modern like Antifa or you know the I guess the uh, I guess in a certain sense the modern day analog of the you know the left wing movement is just doesn't isn't really anything that I think they're actually genuinely concerned about or anything. It just plays towards their ends. Like, yeah, I'm sure they've infiltrated Antifa groups, but I I don't think it's for the uh, thing of like, 
I don't think they're really trying to die it down. I think mm-hmm. if anything, it's more just like a, you know, that way they can kind of maybe antagonize shit a little bit. Yeah. Right. No, so that makes sense. Yeah. So let's get into the 90s. The 90s to me was kind of a weird time. It was kind of a boiling point, like I was saying, because um, you had not just like the militia movements and uh, like the Waco and Ruby Ridge, but you also had on the other side, you had like the Rodney King riots and mm-hmm. um, you had uh, the the Bill Clinton affair with Monica Lewinsky. There was just a lot of OJ. Yeah, OJ Simpson. There's a lot of craziness in the media during that right. time and this was also coincident like conveniently the start of the 24-hour news cycle so everything's being covered um right. constantly and big me- like mass media is gaining some serious traction and mm-hmm. some serious uh uh influence on people's lives more than just like primetime television was with right. uh I- Walter Cronkite back in the 70s, um, we have like media just in your face constantly. And so it was just all this weirdness going on. And that's that's the 90s. But it was before, kind of pre-internet. The internet was just kind of starting to take right. off. But it wasn't like everybody had the internet where right. everybody could get on and read about anything they want. Right. Um, so it was pre-internet, but still just the, the amount of media coverage was just insane yeah. at this time. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, and I think that's part of why, uh, I guess to bring it back to OKC and shit, that's kind of why that was so unique. I think what you're kind of describing was like an inflection point to where like uh, the media was kind of, I think that's why looking back now at things like OKC, there's so much shit because they were in a position where I think the powers that be used to damn near act with like impunity and kind of just do whatever because no one really had the capability for example, all the disparate information that came out of OKC uh, has been like collected now. But like at the time, or if had it happened prior, it would have been harder for people to compile this type of information mm-hmm. and make some sort of compelling case. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas like the '90s were kind of like that inflection point where it became possible. So we're, I think like what is kind of in a fuck, I guess in a kind of way is I guess I say magical, but like uh, in in this sense, in this context, is that like OKC happened right at the time where they were still being sloppy. But at the same time, it was like right at this boom where we were starting to get the capabilities to actually be able to collect information this way, or at least have the remnants of it. So now we're able to. Uh, sure. Whereas you look at back at stuff like JFK or and stuff like that, it's way harder to get some of that uh, information. Yeah, you got. Uh, some although people do grainy ass video footage of uh, his brains getting blown out on the back of the car that you can't really make out what it is. But right. I mean, it's there, but it's not like like you're saying right. what what we have now or what was starting to pick up in the 90s the other thing that that picked up major in the 90s was the lack of trust in the government was at an all-time low i've got this graphic right here of uh falling trust in the government from 1960 to 2014 let me pull this one up for y'all to see uh is it gonna is it gonna pull up there it is so th- this says Americans have been asked since 1958 if they trust the government in Washington to do what's right. So if you look, and this is kind of surprising to me, it, at the beginning of the 60s, you're at like 75, 80 percent of the people are like, yeah, yeah, the, I trust the government. And I'm surprised with the way the 60s were with right. all the MK Ultra stuff, with the JFK stuff, with with all this stuff. I'm surprised it fell as slowly as it did because you're you're talking a 20-year decline here to mm-hmm. 
the early well, 80s. They're coming out of, I mean, Eisenhower, you know, who is pretty trustworthy as a president. I mean, I, sure. as far as public uh, perception goes, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't until, you know, I mean, you get to the protest, the civil rights, and then you get Eisenhower, or not Eisenhower, fucking... Um, Johnson. Uh, yeah, Johnson, and then I don't, and I think Johnson really is when trust started to kind of decline. Well, I I feel like a lot of this decline here coincides with the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it kind of follows suit, and it got pretty low right at 1980. There was major mm-hmm. economic issues in the early right. 80s, and then Reagan came back in. And you see kind of a spike here, mm-hmm. and then the 90s hit, and all time low, basement. like 18 yeah. percent. It looks like trusted the government, and it stayed down there. Um, until this unit, can you guess what this giant spike here probably was? Uh, 2001. <laughs> 9-11, I'm guessing, yes. Yeah, and, yeah 9-11 brought the whole, the whole country back together. Convenient. It's like ev- events like that that's just like, right. uh, we got to bring the trust back. So whatever conspiracy theory you do or don't believe, right. I mean, it was definitely used as propaganda to, to, oh, yeah. to pull America back together. Right. I mean, then it spiked, jumped back down, but, um... So so what do you think what do you think caused this low dip in the 90s Jose do you, do you have any thoughts of what may have may have started that was it economic reasons was it so, social reasons or was it Clinton was, was it Clinton yeah <laughs> I don't know it's hard for me to say like I said cuz it's uh, I'm not a big history buff and mm-hmm. so but I mean obviously I mean looking at those time frames uh, I, I mean I guess you had uh, what was it? Uh, I guess so it kind of looks like it was starting before then, though, because uh, what OKC yeah. was ninety five. I know you had Waco, which was what like a probably a year or two prior. Yeah, I think it was ninety three. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had uh, Ruby Ridge, which I assume was probably at least a year prior. To yeah, that. I think yeah. it was ninety two. I think it was ninety two, ninety three, ninety five. Yeah. And yeah. so I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I have a hard time believing that those kind of garnered that sort of large uh you know social awareness so i mean i feel like there must have been other stuff going on i'm i'm really yeah. bad with my history well, I, so. so um i, I don't know it, so uh, you know everybody of course you know loved reagan even after the iron contra affair i mean nobody you know reagan didn't lose any distrust or any trust and then when bush came in you know bush i think i mean the gulf war first gulf war had a lot of public support you know, going right? after Saddam Hussein, you know, he was the big bad guy, you know, that that's the way they made it portrayed. So and I remember, I mean, all the kids in school were all excited about the Gulf War. And then, um, you know, the big hit that he took was um, he promised he wasn't going to raise taxes and mm-hmm. he did. And then Ross Perot ran against him, which caused him to lose to Clinton. I'm pretty sure. And I don't I don't know if a lot of Clinton's information came out about him. At the time, but I know he was involved in a lot of corruption well, the, in Arkansas. The, the white, Whitewater, Whitewater yeah. stuff had come out right before, and I mean there was all kinds of stuff going on. And right. I know um, almost immediately they started pushing, like the assault weapons ban, right. the the crime bills and stuff started going mm-hmm. through. Then because I mean, well, speak it, of connecting this to like today, I mean crime was through the fucking roof in the well, 90s too it well it started to come down at towards the end of the 80s i wonder if it had something to do with the fact that russia was no longer our big bad guy so people yeah. stopped looking overseas and started, started looking, looking back over here right and maybe when, that, when did russia collapse 89 yeah 89 okay yeah. that sounds right yeah end of the 80s okay. then and maybe i mean you look at the the 2000s there when mm-hmm. um, we start uh, like pulling out a, when we start realizing these wars are bullshit and right. um, then we start pulling out of these and then we start looking home again and we right. got um, 
that nice low spike there right. here in the uh, 2014 yeah. till now. I'd like to see what this graphic looks like today because uh, right. it doesn't even it doesn't even include Trump's administration or yeah. any of Biden's administration. So I'd like to see how that yeah, that would if make it sense. spikes and drops during Trump right. and Biden or, or yeah, whenever there's not some big international conflict, you know, not some big bad guy. All of a sudden, you know, we look back over here and uh, nobody trusts the government again. It's like, oh, wait, they're still doing shit. <laughs> oh, they still things. suck. Yes. <laughs> but back to what you were talking about with uh, um, Ruby Ridge, uh, a lot of, if you look into, like, the militia movements and the, if you just Google, like, anti-government sentiments of the 90s, a lot of them do put the starting point at Ruby Ridge. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that's the starting the kickoff right. point, that's maybe like the publicized, like when right. it started being like mainstream in your face publicized, mm -hmm. because the reason why he moved to a damn mountain is because he didn't trust the damn government. Right. I mean, they, they claim it's because he was um, having like, he had like apocalyptic beliefs and stuff. But mm -hmm. in reality, I've heard that the, the state, I think he was here in Iowa or in Illinois, but the state he was in started cracking down on homeschools and making it harder right. to homeschool. And he's like... I don't want you yeah. to tell me how to freaking raise my kids, so that's why he moved to a damn mountain in uh, in yeah. Idaho. No, and I, I I had talked, so my kids are homeschooled, and so I was speaking with one of the administrators over here in Iowa, and she said, yes, like, mid-80s, late-80s, like, there was, like, a, a homeschool war with the government to try to get the freedom to be able to homeschool, and she said, you know, she was a part of that, but she said that it was really, it got really down and dirty for a while. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, so there's there's... The government kind of encroaching more on that personal life, like that mm -hmm. independent lifestyle. I feel mm -hmm. like maybe that started happening more well, in the nineties. And, and so, and this isn't something I'm I'm aware of. I'd have to look into it a lot, but I know or more. But I know like a lot of like um, libertarians and anarchists really felt Reagan was very fascist and very big brother and so that's where i think a lot of people started to go underground a little bit i mean yeah right. he gave this patriotic sense and the right loved him but i think more those that leaned more libertarian really got felt like he was a little bit too domineering and so they wanted to get in to get off the grid as much as possible okay it's my understanding he started going towards to shit near the end of his administration too right like in that in that regard uh, that's my yeah. understanding so, and, and i like, think a lot of that pretty good in the beginning yeah and and I think a lot of that was his de dementia kicking in and probably Bush taking over a little bit more, you know, his CIA background. Well, yeah, then Bush came in as soon as he took over office and was like, uh, we're bringing in New World Order. And everybody's right. like, yeah, what? And, and that line is probably what people were like, fuck, yeah. you know. <laughs> hey, this is really um, to add into the whole, uh, you know, discussion of the trust in government. I think that's around the time they started really cracking down on the crack stuff. Yeah, because uh, I know that, that was a big yeah. thing with Bush. Bush Senior is he, he he made a few big ones. Uh, like I think if I vaguely remember something about him, like having like on a, having a thing where he had a baggie of a crack and like mm. uh, it was some guy they set up in a sting. And it, I, I remember like that that was a big aspect of him was uh, was the crack shit. I think Reagan did as well too. I think he started kicking that off a little bit. Yeah, because so they, Nancy I, Reagan was the one that was I mean, she was the first first lady that was all about the say no to drugs, you know, and oh, okay. this is your brain on drugs and and yeah, so it was like the the mid to late 80s when yeah, the Reagan administration really started kicking into that. So. Which is ironic because it was like a, it's like a, you know, kind of one of the deeper conspiracies. She was really into black dudes in that way. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she just wanted her boyfriend to get off the right. crack. 
Or she wanted his business to thrive. <laughs> yeah. hey, I mean, that's possible too. Just but like, I, I think it was yeah. the 80s where, you know, because uh, remember um, our troops went into Panama and there is first the real first big push against the, the cartels mm. at the time in Honduras and Panama. And um, yeah, and so I, I and there is rumors, you know, that that's when CIA was really in the thick of their drug business, you know, in South America and over in Afghanistan and stuff. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, there was something to that. Well, I know, like like I started to say earlier, I know there was also like the Biden crime bill came out about mm-hmm. this time and then the 94 federal right. assault weapons ban. Uh, came out, and then a lot of right-wingers were against that. Right. Hey, they're, they're coming after our guns. Yeah. I mean, they literally came after our guns. Right. Um, so a lot of the militia movement formed mm-hmm. around that time period, and a, and a lot of people peg it on like the assault weapons ban mm-hmm. and other... Um, I think they made it harder to... To purchase, I think that's when background checks came out for like handgun purchases and stuff too. So yeah. a lot of federal gun laws came out well, during that time. And I wonder if, um, and just thinking about this, uh, um, but um, when you look at like the Vietnam vets mm. coming back over, you know, at the at the you know end of seventies, beginning of the eighties, you know, and then just the the mistrust in the government with that. You know, I'm wondering if that kind of carried on, right? Carried, carried on, over. and they started kind of getting together in mm. these militia groups. So, well, let's talk a little bit about the militia movement of the '90s because um, I got this interesting article. Obviously, it is not pro militia movement because it is trying to tie like uh, the 2020s militia movement into. The, they're basically saying, "Oh, they kind of went underground, and now they're like revived militia movement." and I'm like, I, I, don't I don't know if that's ever, the yeah. case, but um, this is from ADL.org, which I don't know what that is, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's titled The Militia Movement 2020. Simple. So it says, uh, the origins, the militia movement in the United States is a right-wing extremist movement with an anti-government ideology and a strong emphasis on paramilitary activity. It emerged in 93 to 94, quickly engaging in criminal activity, often centered around illegal weapons and explosives and violence. What do you think about that first sentence, couple sentences there? I think everything's cool except for the end violence part. They sound like a pretty cool group so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it makes you wonder, like, how much and violence actually was taking place? Are they just right. tying, like, <laughs> Oklahoma City bombing into that? And, like, how much explosives right. were actually... Like, I, I honestly don't know, and I, I'm cynical of it, right. but I, I know they kind of exaggerate things to make things look mm-hmm. way worse than they are. They they may have been a pretty violent right. group, but you'd think you'd have heard more right. stories about it than well, just... Uh, but when you look like in the 60s with like the, the weather underground and like the Black Panthers and, and the bombings of federal buildings that took place in the 60s, sure. and you compare that with the bombings of federal buildings in the 90s, you know, you had what, one compared to a dozen? Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean... Maybe the FBI was just doing a bang up job in the nineties and thwarting those. <laughs> right. There's like these things have too many moving factors now. We're gonna get caught. You know, back then in the what sixties, they could do whatever, you know. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. Free for all. So it's it goes on, it says after a significant slump in the early two thousands, the militia movement experienced a second major growth spurt starting in two thousand eight. So that would be the Obama era that right. we were talking yep. kind of the ups and downs. Um says the origins of the militia movement are rooted in long-standing traditions within the American far right, as well as the reactions of anti-government extremists to certain specific events and controversies of the 1990s. 
says the militia movement is heir to a long tradition of far-right paramilitary activity, including pre-World War II extreme right-wing groups such as the Silver Shirt Legion and the Christian Front in America. Um, let's get into the 90s, because it, it really digs into from World War II up till the 90s, and we don't have all day for this. Sure. says specific events played a key role in the formation of the militia movement. These include events such as the passage of the North American Free Trade Agreement and the 1992 election of Bill Clinton. So I didn't even think about... Um, NAFTA. The, NAFTA, that would be... I mean, you have George yeah. Bush come in and say, we're going to have a new world order. Then all of a right. sudden you have NAFTA come out and right. people that have this anti-globalist conspiracy mindset... Yeah. yeah, that would instantly look like, hey, they're, they're trying to That'd be my first implement <laughs> a new world order. Do you know anything much about NAFTA, Jose? Uh, not enough to really speak on it too much. I yeah, the whole trade agreement thing really consolidated a lot of shit you know, mm. uh, in, in a monopolistic type fashion. But no, I really can't speak about it in length. So a lot of the, uh, if you really start digging into the stuff, a lot of the anti-globalist movement, they say at least sparked from... Like earlier on, anti-Semitic sentiment, um, like the uh, what what the Zog, the Zionist. Zog. Uh, oh, what yeah. what's that Zionist? Zionist uh, organized occupied or Zionist occupied, occupied government governance. Yeah, which is just like, I mean, Zog is just like essentially the Nazi connotation of our you know current world order. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people. I mean, I made a joke on my other show, Tire Power, I think recently, about how, like, I do have sympathies with some of the alt-right types, because it's like, you're like, no, 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 no. Like, I mean, I get it, how you see all these connections, and then you go, fucking Jews. It's like, no, 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 no. Israel. Yes. <laughs> these yes. are different things. So. Yes, there's a difference. There's, there's yeah. a big difference. and um, Subtle, but it's important. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I think it's far stretching to say that everybody that's against because i actually read something the other day that said uh um the fear of globalism is a dog whistle to uh anti-semitism and i'm like i don't really no, not really I, I never say that i'm against globalism and think i hate the fucking jews right just <laughs> just doesn't cross my mind maybe right. that's a whole different reasons so. maybe subconsciously <laughs> right. i don't realize that that's what i'm saying but i i do see how it kind of probably evolved out of that that mindset I mean, I do when I say, it, but I, when I say the Jews, I mean Israel because yeah. it's, it's it's way harder in my head to be like, well, fuck, you know, the 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 fucking government of Israel, like it, just, it just doesn't roll off the tongue very well. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, that's fair. That's fair. So at this time, it, it was when it seemed like one world government was kind of like when uh, because. There was the NAFTA, and right. then the the EU formed in the late nineties, and right. so I I remember that sentiment like, mm -hmm. well, here it comes, here right. comes the like, what Revelation talked about, like mm -hmm. the one world government, one currency, and all yeah. that stuff. That's what they're trying to push here. I I remember that sentiment, and I still feel like that's what mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's a conspiracy theory to say that they're trying to push a one world government with one currency because that's that's what yeah. literally what they're doing, right? Right. That's what every empire attempts to do for the most yes. part. So, yeah. So, let's get back into this. Um, talks about 
the especially important were two pieces of gun control legislation and two deadly standoffs with law enforcement. One of the gun control measures was the so-called Brady Law, um, which was the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act, which passed in 93. And then uh, it says, among other things, it required people wishing to purchase handguns to pass a background check. I like how they say, among other things, it's right. just background checks. Yeah. It's like, well, it's what like, were the yeah, other right. things? What were because the other things you thrown in there? are probably significant. Yeah. Um, it goes on to say, the other was the 94 Public Safety and Recreational Firearms Use Protection Act, or the the assault ban, right. <laughs> which they, they, they say it all flowery, Yeah. with... Recreational firearms protection. <laughs> we're protecting recreational firearms, right, yeah. but we're taking everything else away. <laughs> Says these acts greatly angered anti-government extremists who argued that they were the first steps towards mass gun confiscation by the government. Yeah. You hear those same sentiments today. So, like you were saying at the beginning, this this all applies kind of today. Everything that's happening in the '90s is still happening today. Uh, when did the when did the Brady Bill go through? Ninety three. Ninety three. Yeah. And it's funny because that's based on the attempted assassination of Reagan. Really? Yeah. So it's funny that they waited nearly a decade to push something through saying, Hey, you know, it's Brady. You know, <laughs> so it's just funny. So on aside, did you guys see that the assassin uh, or the, the, the uh, attempted assassin of Reagan has been having a hard time getting uh, music gigs and he's gone out? He <laughs> really? just really won't let, won't let it go that he missed. <laughs> <laughs> really? What, is he trying to be a country singer? Because that might, uh, right. he might not really fit in with the country music Maybe crowd. if he teamed up with the Dixie Chicks. There you go. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what his genre is, but I know he's, he's a big mu- musician. And, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's been a big thing. A lot of people followed him when he got out. You know, I, I forgot that he got out. I, that's yeah. kind of like Charles Manson trying to be an, an accomplished musician, right. as he did. Um, Which he was, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so this goes on and says, Also fanning the fury on the right were the 92 Ruby Ridge standoff in Idaho involving a white supremacist, uh, Randy Weaver, who refused to appear in federal court to face a weapons charge. Let's start there. Yes, let's. Let, let, let's start, because everybody's making this kind of the kickoff point of the militia movement, even though I think we've concluded that that's not. Right. This is just the publicization of it. Um, this kind of glosses over the, the actual events that happen and why people mm. would possibly have some sort of mistrust in the government. So the story goes something like this. Yes, Randy Weaver is a an admitted... Racist. He says, what, I am a racist. Was, what did he, though? Because I vaguely remember something recently where I think a lot of that, I'm talking on my ass completely. Okay. But I vaguely remember going on a deep dive while ago, and I think people were kind of implying it through implication from the groups that he was hanging out with. Although I might be wrong. I vaguely remember something like that from some of my digging. But so, I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone out there, I, even that's kind of dubious. Because then when, when, even, even if he is, says he's something like that there's so many you know gradations of of what white supremacist really even means right uh because in you know it, i i don't know people say shit like ben shapiro's a white supremacist uh, <laughs> uh so i, I yeah it, very true. i i i pretty much anytime i hear the hear the accusation white supremacist i just kind of roll my eyes and go man probably not so <laughs> from what i read which was supposedly a quote from him which i'm going to paraphrase because i don't have it in front of me he basically said yeah, I am kind of a racist. 
I don't hate anybody. I'm not like spewing hate. I don't want violence on anybody. I just wanted to go fucking be by myself is basically uh, what he said. And I said this on um, the uh, Fact Check This podcast the other day. Basically, I said, I don't have a fucking problem with that kind of race. Like, Like, I will defend closeted racism because I don't see an issue with it. It's like if if you have a race, racist inclination in your head and nobody knows it, who the fuck are you hurting? Or if you're like, I don't like black people. I want to go live on a mountain away from them. Okay, that's your own prerogative to do that. Uh, you're probably hurting yourself more than anybody else by isolating yourself from everybody, but just go freaking do it. Who cares? Um, so if he was that that kind of racist that he claimed to be, or at least some quotes say he claimed to be, that had literally nothing to do with Ruby Rich whatsoever, other than the fact that maybe that's what pushed him up on the mountain to start with. What put him in this situation with the ATF and the FBI is he was kind of hanging out with some supposedly some like Aryan Nation groups or some white supremacist groups because that's what was in the area. And the FBI was trying to infiltrate the Aryan Nations. And so... <laughs> They came to Randy Weaver. They they had a an infiltrator, like a spy in the Aryan Nations, who came up to Randy Weaver and was like, "Hey, uh, I heard you're trying to make some money. I need somebody to saw off a shotgun. Do you know how to do this?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, dumbass. You just take a saw and you saw it off." And so he sawed off a couple shotguns. The guy gave him money for it. Entrapment right there. They're like, oh, federal weapons charges. We're going to arrest you unless you cooperate with us and turn over some of your Aryan Nation buddies and and cooperate with the FBI. Randy Weaver didn't like that too much, so he went up to his mountain and hit on a mountain. So when they say uh, he refused to appear in federal court to face weapons charges, it's like, well, the FBI is capable of doing this to entrap me. What else are... Like, how do I trust that I'm going to get a fucking fair trial to show up to this court appearance when they entrapped me in the first place? On that, too, uh, I once again, talking on my ass is just shit I'm remembering. So I'm not saying it's any sort of That's fine. That's all I'm doing, too. Yeah, so, so, you know, definitely fact check me or whatever. But uh, fuck it. I'm almost certain um, they changed the date. They changed the date of the court appearance. And I believe... Uh, that they didn't uh, notify him. So that was the other thing. It was kind of this, like, I don't know if they did that on purpose, if that was just happenstance, but they kind of, you know, possibly tricked him slash maybe fucked up. They probably uh, were like, well, we tried to call him on the phone to tell him, but Randy Weaver doesn't have a freaking telephone up there. So (laughs) they're like, eh, uh, I I guess that's his fault. And so then this warrant warrant went out for his arrest. Uh, The ATF tried like getting up this mountain to they they saw him as this dire threat and um randy weaver was paranoid as as fuck because like i said how how do you trust a government that lures you into committing a crime that you never had any intentions of committing in the first place like how do you trust that hey i'm gonna get a fair shot here i'm going to uh, get a fair trial by a jury. They they already just fucked you up the ass. How are how are you going to trust that? So he's paranoid, and they're scouting out his mountain constantly, and they see that they're in and out with guns because they're gun lovers. You got something there? Well, uh, <laughs> so all I see with reference to him being a white supremacist is it says that he moved to northern Idaho in an area that uh, was known to um, to 
host um, settlements of of uh, far right white supremacists. Yeah, there was like a basically like a white supremacist boys club there that meant like right. every year all the white supremacists come and hung out. Yeah, he had a buddy who uh, I guess presided over the Aryan Nations compound, which was kind of neighbors to him. Um, and, and that was, that's all it says really about it. I do, I do remember from this vaguely, I wish I could remember where I heard this, but uh, they were kind of implying that like, yeah, he was kind of in those groups and they weren't. And if I remember correctly, whatever I was listening to, they weren't saying that he necessarily wasn't a a white supremacist, but it was also like, that was the social groups he had Mm -hmm. to hang out with there. Yeah. That's what was there at the time. (laughs) So like they were militia groups in the fucking woods and that was like your only option so yeah uh it's not i, I from my understanding the implication i was getting from that is it's not really an out and out thing that he was uh it's the same thing they do with the modern boog movement they tried mm-hmm. all it all the time right. imply it's some sort of white supremacist thing which i mean probably the most notable uh boog guy is magnus pinvidia which is like a bi you know mutualist uh you know which is like you know, kind of a weird mix between ancap and commie uh but like yeah, so that's definitely another case. And if you anyone who paid attention to the Boog movement knew, like, yeah, there were factions who were like sort of white supremacist-ish, but the the vast uh, larger group of the Boog people would usually, you know, pick on them and make fun of them and tell them to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, it, I don't know if that was contrived by Feds or not. Either way, they weren't big fans of it. But you know, that's yeah. what happens. So you see in all of these um a lot of these instances where these groups were tied had ties to white supremacist groups do you think that is the media trying to portray them as worse than they were or do you think yes. there is more prevalence of white supremacy in those groups like what what's the connection here to white supremacy because that <laughs> is the the foundation of it right. when you read these I, articles. I think they're saying like oh look at the compound do you see any white person or black person living in that compound <laughs> right. obviously they're racist obviously you're going to especially in the 90s you're going 30 years ago you're going to find you're going to find racists <laughs> right? everywhere but it, do you do you feel I I heard you kind of touch on it a little on your OKC one that you kind of were skeptical of how much they pushed white supremacy on these groups? Oh yeah, I mean I think it is both in a sense, but far more the former than the latter. Uh, you know, the former being they're trying to build up a bigger threat, the latter being that it's uh, that there are actual white supremacists. Like yeah, obviously in right wing majority white any sort of movement there's probably going to be a higher prevalence of white supremacists just like in a further left more uh, like larger african-american there'll probably be a higher chance of there being you know black supremacists just like there were in the the black panthers and you know what uh you you said you you defend uh in the closet racism before i I will defend out and out racism as long as you don't fuck with anybody i don't care yeah uh you know like you can be an out and out racist open about it as long as you aren't like in any way, you know, using uh, coercive or, or using force in any way against people that you don't like. I don't give a shit. I'm just not going to hang mm-hmm. out with you probably. Yeah. Uh, the same thing goes for the black Panthers. I, I mean, no one, I feel like in a modern sense, if you brought up that like, Hey, the, to some normie that, Hey, the, the black Panthers were, you know, a lot of, there was a high prevalence, a lot of people really hating on fucking white people. No one gives a shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't get why when the, the reverse happens, it's this big, oh my God, like, who cares? Like, I, unless they're trying to in any way, which I guess they're kind of implying here, they're white supremacist militia groups. But I mean, I don't know, let's mm-hmm. be real. They're but like, okay. 
How many of them were actually militia groups, like for the the sole intent of let's go kill a bunch of black people? I mean, you never hear that. It was all anti-government sentiment. Right. Was the majority of these militia movements? It's right. like they, which a lot of these articles, specifically this one, says basically says the baseless claim that the Constitution gives them the right to form a an unorganized militia, and it's like that wasn't as far as. Again, like like you keep saying, talking out my ass, I don't know their their mindset back then. But from what it looks like, none of them were like, KKK, like, let's right. form this group and go kill a bunch of black people. Like right. It was like, we hate the fucking government. And yeah, yeah they might have had some anti-Zog sentiment, which would constitute as white supremacy, mm. I guess, or uh, yeah. anti-Semitism. I mean, you said that they're, you know, very fundamental Christian, yeah. right? very, very old school. And they even said, well, and they referred to God as Yahweh, right? Like, yeah. that's a bad thing. Yeah. So, so, um, but like I said, even if there is racism there, I don't think it, like, you're taken away from the fact that they're anti-government. And that was right. the big threat to the right. government. It wasn't that, hey, these are white supremacists, they, they want to kill black. No, it's like, uh, they're coming after us, guys. Well, but, I mean, if you portray it like, the, okay, well, they're they're anti-government. Then people might actually ask questions, respect that. Right? Well, and people might ask questions. Well, yes. why, why don't you trust the government? But if you say, well, they're racist, no one's going to be like, well, why are you racist? Yeah. You know, I mean, they're just going to be like, oh, well, they're bad people. Right. Right? On the white supremacist thing in relation to the 90s, uh, I mean, once again, just speaking to, you know, the little bit of digging I've done the OKC, my impression is there was some actual white supremacist group. For example, Timothy McVeigh uh, was like uh, basically in uh, in Elohim City, which I guess is kind of near OKC. That's kind of where his base operations was. And there were legitimate they were a legitimate fucking uh, white supremacist group. And they were I guess they were I forget what they were robbing, but they were robbing shit to. Uh, I mean, it's kind of implied to, you know, garner up funds for whatever sure. weird shit they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, though, it's hard to know to what extent that was genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say there weren't actual legitimate white supremacists in those groups, but how many of those were feds and how many of those were, you know, actual legitimate white supremacists? Right. Because, um, yeah, I mean, that's a big part of like I've done that series is a. Uh, I think we've done over seven hours now, and we still have more episodes to do. Probably two or three more episodes. We'll probably be ten over ten hours, and we're done. And mm-hmm. a lot of those is covering the individual characters, you know, the accomplices uh, or implied accomplices of Timothy McVeigh. Uh, a lot of people he was associating with, and those people glow like the fucking sun. Mm-hmm. And these were a lot of the people that were in, uh, you know, in that same, uh, or some of them were in that same like white supremacist groups. And these were people that had, you know. Fed connections out the ass to the mm-hmm. point where, like, come on, this dude's a Fed. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you don't, you can't. I mean, like, okay, one, two Fed connections, okay, but you could just turn point, like, all right, this this guy's a Fed. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that was the case with almost all of them. So, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I mean, I'm sure maybe there were some genuine, uh, and I'm sure, like, you know, with that group, there probably was, for example, Terry Nichols. Uh, although I don't know to what extent Terry Nichols was involved in the, the white supremacist aspects or whatever, but he was, uh, you know, the main accomplice, even though it's part of the official story, like he's doing like, I think like life in prison right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he won't speak for the life of him because he's, you know, genuinely concerned for the safety of his family mm-hmm. and I don't blame him, but, uh, it sounds to me when you hear his story, he kind of sounds like the, you know, the. Uh, dupe, you know, kind of mm-hmm. when you when you you learn about him. Like most of the other characters were like, you know, kind of look like they glowed. Whereas like he just kind of seems like a dupe. 
mm-hmm. who kind of got sucked into it. And I think he got in over his head mm-hmm. and he was kind of like, well, I kind of have to, or they're going to probably murder my entire right. family. So, um, and he just kind of, you know, went along to get along. Right. Um, right. So there's definitely some aspect of doing how much are feds, how much are, you know, just, you know, useful idiots. It's, it's hard to tell. I also think there's differing levels. Cause like, I know one of the big theories of McVeigh was that he survived. Cause a lot of people think that like he lived, uh, because they thought he was out and out glowy. And I do think he was a glowy to two, some level, but I think it's like a tiered thing to where, mm. like, I'm sure they're pr- – I wouldn't be surprised if he had handlers who were like, hey, man, just, you know, just go on with the story. Right. Like, we'll you keep know, you safe. We'll, right. we'll hook you up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. but then, then at the yeah. end of the day, it's like, well, that guy, we can't have him talking. So, exactly. yeah, just, yeah, just let him take the fall. At the end of the day, it's like you got to yeah. take the fucking fall. Uh, it's kind of like – um jfk's assassin um what what was his name oswald yeah it's just like that guy had to die even if he was even if he wasn't the guy that shot him even if he was like an inside guy which he seemed probably like a useful idiot type too um at the end of the day he had to go he had to fucking die too yeah. Um, then got off by Jack Ruby, who then claimed to have no memory whatsoever of the event, hmm. and apparently shortly after getting visited by Jolly West in prison, essentially went fully and fucking insane. Which hmm. <laughs> anyone knows Jolly West? That's a big MK Ultra guy. Yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah, of M- shit, a lot of MK Ultra stuff, and I wonder yeah. how much of that like bled into the '90s with some of the oh, stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And like like you were saying earlier, is information spreading more rapidly and you can actually like preserve some of that information so a lot of that stuff that they could cover up and be like no that never fucking happened i mean they tried with oklahoma city they tried with uh waco and and all these things and a lot of people at this point it's like no no that's not what happened we remember Mm. you saying this that's the one benefit of the 24-hour news cycle is right we heard you fucking say this. And then they come on, they're like, no, no, we never said that at all. And it's like, what are you talking? I got video cassette tapes that (laughs) um, show you saying the the big thing with OKC thing was the John Doe two thing. I think Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for them doing the John Doe thing, this probably would for the most part, other than crazy conspiracy people be shuttled off to the back. Whereas I feel like we're in this weird era where I think OKC is kind of rising to where even normies are kind of like, this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's largely responsible for the John Doe two aspect. Cause Anyone who recollects OKC knows that was a big thing. Immediately, they were like, there's a second person. And I think within like a day or two, actually, I don't remember how long it was, but then the the feds just like, nope, no John Doe 2. Yep, just kidding. We were wrong. And it was like, you were in that era of the 24-hour news cycle. And people were like, you've been saying there's, what do you mean there's not a John Doe 2? And then in a lot of the trials and stuff, they tried to skirt around it, not focus on it. Um, yeah, that was a big thing, is I guess with the cases they were trying to just just go after Timmy McVeigh, not going any accomplices. And anyone in the know was like, there are definitely accomplices here, right. you know, aside yeah. from just Terry Nichols. So. Right. Well, to finish up a little bit on Ruby Ridge, because it's about time we get into a break. But um, I had a few more things. Um, you you talked about the the useful idiot. I think that's kind of what they were hoping to make Randy Weaver into was the useful idiot by suckering him into sawing off shotguns which mm-hmm. i'm sure that was happening all the time up there like oh, oh yeah. yeah we'll we'll mess around with a gun i i think at one point they asked him to do something even more incriminating before this to, uh, maybe make a a gun like fully auto or something he's like no i'm not gonna do that that's fucking illegal and then then they can same guy comes back he's like well what about uh can you saw do you know how to saw off shotguns and you'd think maybe he was 
somewhat of a useful idiot because you think after he came back the second time, it's like, well, if you can't do that incriminating thing, what about this? You right. think he'd be like, you're a little fishy, right, man. Right, you're you're yeah. you're like, especially it's just like, who can't fucking saw off a shotgun right. on their own? Yeah. I mean, it's like exactly what it says. You right. saw off a shotgun. But I mean, um, to be to be fair, in our modern sentiment, me especially all of us here, we we know like, hey, if anyone's asked you to do something illegal that you're not like really close with, that's yeah. a fucking fed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, whereas right. in that time they didn't have that. Uh, I feel like a lot of this hasn't hadn't been lessons learned or been part of the uh, larger consciousness. You well, know what I, mean? so. <laughs> I was skeptical of a guy I met at the gym who's like, man, I really wish there was some kind of net group I could get networked in with. You know, like kind of, you know, in, you know, kind of. Not really trust the government, you know, kind of someone, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. It's like, that guy's a fed. (laughs) I know. It's like, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) Do you know of any, like, uh, militia groups around that I'm really trying to get involved in? (laughs) Because the government sucks. (laughs) I mean, uh, to be real, especially this this liberty movement, whatever space we're in, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm skeptical of everyone being feds, you know, but uh, my, how I generally operate is I, I don't say anything to anybody that I you know, wouldn't say to an undercover agent, right. uh, you know, um, and, uh, aside from that, I treat everyone as if they're not, uh, you know, so and you're good. Like there you right. go. a lot of people in our group try to go on witch hunts. of like, this guy's a fed, that guy's a fed. And I, mm. I, I almost never engage in that. Yeah. Aside right. from maybe like star walk or something, but like, you know, <laughs> there's a certain yes. preponderance of evidence. You're like, okay, this dude, this is a fed. <laughs> <laughs> so this last article, I'm not going to read it, but this kind of is why I, this says everything of what they think the militia movement was founded on because it says Ruby Ridge, the day American militia movement was born. And this one gets into um, a little bit more backstory into it, but it the, the and it ties it to today's militia movement too. Um, but it pretty much said it, it glosses over the 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 starting point of the Randy Weaver situation too because it says um, on. August 21st, the marshals went to a location that became known as Ruby Ridge to scout a location where they might ambush a fugitive, Randy Weaver. Again, they they mm-hmm. they put on here, because then it goes on to say um, they pretty much botched this, then they botched Waco, and that's why uh, people stopped trusting the government. It's like, you're missing the whole fact that the government is entrapping its own citizens and trying to put them, like, lock them up for things that they they suckered them into, and they're still doing it to this day. Mm-hmm. Like, we've talked several weeks in a row about uh, the governor of Michigan, right. how that was a big FBI setup thing where it was all started by the FBI. It was all uh, implemented by the FBI just to suck in all these militia people right. funded by the FBI. And it's like, how how do you put the fact that they fucked up this raid as the start of the anti-government right. sentiment? No, it's the fact that the government is doing shady, shitty things right. that got people... so. Losing trust in the first uh, Jose, place. Jose, do you, you have a like opinion? It, why did they go after Randy Weaver? So was it just to like send a message? Because from what I read, like the snipers that were on site were like, they've never seen like shoot to kill orders yes. that strict. Yeah. Well, yeah. After, if you don't know the the whole story, um, they sneak up the mountain. They're scouting out. Uh, the dog starts going nuts. Uh, so they start to go see what the dog's chasing. The marshal shoots the dog. 14-year-old boy says, you son of a bitch, you killed my dog, and shoots the marshal. I mean, they're dressed in yeah. military fatigues. No no, right. 
no, it doesn't say ATF on them. It's just these random dudes. I mean, these people, like I said, are already Mm -hmm. paranoid as hell that the government's coming after them or Mm -hmm. somebody's coming after them. And there's just these random dudes on your property in military in camo, with, right. with, yeah. with guns, and they just shot your dog. I'd shoot the fucker, too. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, I'm probably on a list for that now. <laughs> um, and so then they they pulled back. And then, yeah, like you said, they had a... For the first... They don't even have these, uh, these orders in combat in yeah. Iraq. Yeah. If you see a guy holding a gun, shoot to kill. Right. Yeah. Whether he's like... A direct threat or not, if he's yeah. walking, if he possesses a weapon, shoot to kill. Your yeah. orders are shoot to kill. And, and the sniper's like, you know, I've been on 300 raids, and I've never had this order before. What what What's your take on that? I know you asked him that first, yeah. and I took over. <laughs> I, no, you're good. I don't really know too much. It's kind of hard to say. Um, I just had uh, Brandon Caserta, who was like the main guy, or the, the kind of the poster boy of the whole uh, Michigan uh, Whitmer plot thing. Hmm. Um yeah, he. I mean, he he kind of talked on the uh, you know entrapment aspect, and from him, it was like they didn't even really have anything. So it's like because I brought up in that, it was kind of like it's almost like this game they play. The feds were like, "Hey, we got to entrap you," but it's almost like they didn't even honor up their side of the deal there. So where it's like they even really entrapped them. Uh, you know, not to say it was even okay if you entrap them, but it's like they didn't even really you know check that that minimal box. Uh, but yeah, I don't know with the Weaver thing. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say. The reason they went so hard was just the aspect of like, oh, fuck. Uh, I don't know if they just thought, you know, oh, we're going to go in here with military tactical precision and we're going to fucking, you know, cuff them and get out of here or whatever. But I think once, you know, bullets started flying, they were like, oh, shit, we're in the fucking, we're in the mountains. Uh, we're fucking, you know, we're not in our element. We could t- sustain some serious loss here, which they could. I um, mean, anyone who's right. been in like the, the woods and the mountains, like, I mean, like you just need a few good men. You could probably damn near hold off uh, SEAL Team Six because they're 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 not prepared for that that environment. The they're not familiar with it. I mean, the terrain does most of the shit for you. So I could see why they'd be, uh, you know, not saying what they did was okay, but I could see why they'd be like, oh shit, we fucked up. Uh, you know, we, you know, this is gonna get out of hand if we don't, you know, handle it quickly. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really, I can't really conjecture too much on why. I mean, it's hard to say there could be more in the, in the right. back. I mean, maybe they're just that upset that he said, basically, you know, said, fuck you to them. I, I don't know. Well, the last thing before we go to break, cause we're overdue. Um, the thing that gets me the most is trapped into sawing off shotguns. I keep going back to there. He was a fugitive for like two fucking years and they were so like hell bent on taking this guy in. It was like it basically to to prove a point is right. what I think. It's just like, well, we can't just have this guy up here like sticking it to us. Um, it's just like, what? I mean, in that two years, did he do anything right. else that would warrant you going in and like murdering his family mm-hmm. or you going in like? Eventually, the guy's gonna probably come down from the mountain, right. and even if you don't arrest him and he's just holed up on a mountain, it's basically jail anyway for him and his family. Right. Like, um, who fucking cares? He didn't hurt anybody. That right. goes back to the libertarian principles mm-hmm. of uh, like uh, victimless crimes. This was totally a victimless crime, and they spent two fucking years trying right. to get this guy down from the mountain until it turned into a full out military assault just for a guy sawing off of. A couple of fucking shotguns. There you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know to what extent. It's so hard because I've devoured a lot of this content and I don't remember what is 
a lot of this stuff blends in together. Mm. Uh, I know with uh, Waco, the ATF was really trying to get a win. I vaguely remember someone making the case too. They were trying to do the same thing with Ruby Ridge, where it's trying to be this like this big, you know, look at us with our big dicks mm. and our guns and look how right. awesome we are. Well, uh, and they fucked up, and then ironically tried to do it with Waco again, fucked up, and then they kind of sort of pulled it off with OKC. Where now we're like, okay, we see you. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, from what I've collected and gathered and read um basically ruby ridge was like this guy's sticking it to us we can't have that let's swing our dicks harder and then they fucked up so badly that when waco happened the F- atf and fbi was like we need to make a big public spectacle of this to get back in the favor of mm. the the people and so that's why instead of arresting um david koresh on the streets which he was known to go jogging in town like daily they could have arrested him peacefully at any point they decide to do this big like televised raid on his his compound there and it's just like well we got to make a big spectacle of this to show our force or to get back on and and have a win is basically what that was and then they murder 86 people brutally fucked that one up too I really want to, before, I know you're about trying to go on break, but I do want to make it clear. This isn't a, I know we think we're talking about like the nineties. So people might think like, Oh, this is and like Waco and like, Oh, the, you know, they make these big spectacles or whatever, you know, that was in the past. No, they're not above doing it now. I mean, oh, no, 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 Duncan Lent story. They fucking, I mean, yeah, it wasn't the grand extent of like Waco, but he lived in like a fucking middle-class suburban house and they fucking broke into his window and fucking, you know, kill them through his window, essentially. And, you know, mm. laying next to his pregnant girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, mm. Which, once again, I've had, I've actually had his uh, his girlfriend at the time, you know, his mother of his child on my show mm. not too long ago. So, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at these events back in the 90s and it just, it doesn't, to me, it's not like, oh, that's how they were in the past. They, they, the government doesn't change tactics. Right. I mean, they might, like, change the visibility of it some, but it makes me think, what are they capable? If they're capable of this, what else are they capable of? Because yeah. I know they're capable of more than what they actually do. So it's yeah. like, what the fuck are they capable well, and, of? And again, it seems like, you know, they for the last couple of years, you know, they've been really trying to gear up like January 6th, the social media purge, mm-hmm. this whole like, oh, this right wing rise up that's coming and they have to be prepared for, you know, the whole domestic terrorist thing that, you know, Homeland Security is getting ready for and everything. So, right. We do got to get to break. Uh, you still got more time, Jose, after the break? Yeah. All right. We yeah. usually take four or five minutes to refresh our drinks and stuff and give people a chance to to soak it in. And then we'll be back and we'll keep talking about shit. So we'll be right back. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remster W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence, to new ways to develop rugged individualism, to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remster W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remster W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. 
Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Uh, Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Me- Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. All right, we are back, and I'm waiting for Jose. There he is. All right, let me kill the music. Jose, I wasn't sure if you were back. Oh, you're good. (laughs) So we're here. We're back with Jose of the No Way Jose podcast, and we're talking about uh, mistrust in the government, anti-government sentiment, downright hate of the government, I guess. Yeah, sure. At this point... Do you think some of the hate for the government is unfound? Is can we consider that unfounded, or you think it's rightfully so at this point, based on the stuff we've talked about? I mean, I'm sure there are some aspects that are unfounded, but in the large majority, you know, it's completely founded. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think? Um, uh, I'm going to get into a quote later by Bill Clinton, but do you think? Do you think? Uh, Hate for the government is anti-patriotic. No, not at all. Well, I guess it depends on your definition because I don't know. I've seen people describe it really is completely just a how you define things. So if you define patriotism as like, you know, as that, then yeah, sure. But I I don't know. I guess it depends on what you mean. It's kind of vague. I I feel like I feel like if you love your country the way like it was founded on and if, if you love it. You should hate a government that like stands for all the things that you don't stand for. Like I, I don't see an issue. Uh, maybe not hate it, but you should at least push back against a government that. Well, I mean, we're supposed to be a representative democracy, and if a government's doing things that you don't feel is representing your best interest, yeah, you should push back against it. Maybe not with violence, but um, I don't know to what extent you, like, at what point you think. Violence becomes necessary towards a quote-unquote oppressive government, but um, I'm sure there's got to be a point there somewhere. Well, and I I feel like, yeah, I mean, if you look at the the basis of the country, then, yeah, it's our job to hold the country accountable. And to be honest, when you look at the state of the country, we haven't done a good enough job holding them accountable. Sure. What do you think, Jose? Oh, on the, uh, t- I guess I wanted to touch on the violence aspect you brought up. Uh, I would say uh, the only time I think that violence is pragmatic against the U.S. government is if you, or, or the government in general, is if you're somehow in a strategic place to where that could actually provide any, like, uh, I mean, it, it, basically it's never, for the most part, it's never going to happen. Unless you've completely set up a completely parallel market, you guys are, you know, like, uh, this is kind of one of the theories of, like, agorism that I've talked about. Like, But for the most part, unless you're, like, uh, got a damn near, uh, you know, bulletproof, you know, uh, like, black market slash, like, a parallel market and everything good to go. You've already, you know, got your communities. For the most part, any sort of violence against the government is going to go 100% against your fucking things. Like, I don't, 
I don't necessarily, I mean, obviously it depends. There's a lot of nuance to this. It depends on what you're doing. Are there any instances involved? I'm not morally against it. I just think pragmatically it's mostly retarded. So the example I always use is like, I'm an anarchist. So like if a cop pulls you over and it's for some bullshit, like you weren't like just stabbing someone or some shit, I think they are aggressing against you if they like try to find you or, or pull you out of your car or whatever. Uh, so I think morally you're probably in the clear to defend yourself and do what you need to do. I think you're kind of an idiot if you do though. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I, lo- I look at a lot of these uh this is the thing that like with like the boogs where they were like, you know, pushing for some sort of boogaloo and I'm like, uh, or, or like in a genuine fashion, like I like the memes, they're funny, sure. uh, but uh, like any sort, I know a lot of people are all about 1776 and shit. And it's like, okay, yeah, you're just going to install another government. That's probably worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not even entirely convinced ours was necessarily that much better in a sense. I don't know. That's one I go back and forth on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I mean, they just implemented a different government and then, it, you know, I don't know how much longer it took. I mean, almost immediately, what was it, the Whiskey Rebellion? They, they already were betraying their principles, like, almost immediately. Right. Uh, I don't know how much, how long it took before the taxes were higher than they were before. So, I mean, uh, maybe for a short period of time it was better, but then over the long period of time, I, I think you could definitely make a very strong case that they were better off under England uh, as a, you know, so... As- I, I don't know. My point being is, uh, I think, you know, pretty much political violence is almost... Uh, 99.999% of the time is, is stupid. Like really yes, just yeah. dumb. I may, I may morally agree with you, but I'd be like, and maybe like, well, that was kind of awesome, you know, but like, <laughs> but it's also really dumb. Yeah, it's kind well, of like when so, you're like a teenager and you do some really dumb shit and you're like, that was really fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. it was cool, but it was still dumb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and it ultimately pointless. And you bring a good point because when we had talked about this a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so that the United States is too big to fail. So even if it, you know, people did rise up. I feel like other countries would sweep in and make sure it didn't happen yeah, because they need to keep the United States in place. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, my mind on that topic leans more towards instead of like rising up against the government, just pull back and be more like that's why we always say be more self-sustaining. Yeah. Like get out on like get out from under the government's freaking wing mm-hmm. and kind of do your own thing, form your own communities or mm-hmm. whatever. But then. We see classic examples where people, that's exactly what they're doing, like Randy Weaver, like uh, mm-hmm. um, the Branch Davidians, they were just trying to do it on their own, just right. be away from the elements of government, and the government came in and just killed them all. So uh, what do you do then? It's just like, well, I just want to go live by my fucking self. It's just like, yeah. well, we're going to come kill you. So right. so then what? Yeah, Unless you set yeah. up like a Chad, right? No, yeah, Government I, didn't fuck with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, people always bring up like Waco and Ruby Ridge's examples of like kind of against that sort of uh, mentality. And it's like, obviously, like these are distinct scenarios. These are a little bit different. And they're always going to be people that like say you're setting up your own, uh, you know, communities, you know, kind of being self-sustaining. Yeah, every now and then someone might get busted or screwed over, uh, you know, say they're, you know, skirting taxes in one way or another or whatever. But it's not necessarily an argument against on the whole. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. always going to be. Uh, my argument usually be like, well, you probably didn't properly weigh your your risk risk to reward uh, ratio there, sure, uh, or or whatever, um, you know. So, I mean, it, yeah, there's always going to be, but on the other flip side, it's like, well, what's the alternative? The alternative is just what, just keep going along, like. And I honestly think it's a, probably a more rewarding life if you get to a point to where you're more uh, self sustaining sure. and stuff like that. So, so uh, I, I was, I'll, I'll, 
I wasn't saying that to convince people to not go that route. I was just saying, well, we see classic examples where they don't allow that. And in my opinion, those are the cases where I think it's if if a government is coming down on when all you're trying to do is be away, um, then you have a right to defend yourself, in my opinion. I I feel like the Branch Davidians, uh, according to things I've read, they had every right to shoot back. I feel like uh, Randy Weaver, his family, they had every right to shoot back. I'm not saying like, hey, let's go storm the Capitol or anything like that. But I'm saying um, if it comes down to it and it's your family or um, having uh, patriotism towards this government, I'm going to choose my family every fucking time and I'll fight to the death for it. Yeah, 100%. So anyway, (laughs) did you have anything else? I kind of interrupted you. No, I had another thought, but I think I, for, I forgot it already. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, just, I had a thought. Go ahead. That, um, okay, so the OKC bombing, that was uh, April 95, right? Mm-hmm. So didn't the O.J. Simpson trial, like, kick in full force, like, a month after that? I'm not and, sure like, when that happened. kind of totally monopolized the airwaves after took that. Away, took away from All the, the narrative. All the coverage of it, yeah. yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Didn't yeah. even look into that part. But um, I we we kind of touched a little on Waco. Um, I I had this clip here. I uh, I wanted to play really fast just to kind of get a little bit of what was going on in the people's heads during Waco. Um, Looks like a J.C. Penney's Christmas. <laughs> it is. <laughs> With around eighty people still inside Mount Carmel. The FBI decided to force an end to the siege by driving everybody out with military-grade tear gas. On April 19th, on the 51st day of the siege, the tear gassing began. This is not an assault. We are not entering the building. The Davidians had gas masks. But of course the FBI knew that there are no gas masks for children. After six hours of intense tear gassing, smoke was spotted in a second-story window. Within minutes, the whole building was ablaze. And everything in there just went pitch black. Don't lose control of this. So I don't know what side, what narrative everybody follows. Like the Branch Davidians started the fire. They were a suicide, on a suicide mission from God or the government started a fire intentionally or unintentionally by spraying this gas into the building. I don't fucking care. Like I mentioned before, they had every opportunity to arrest David Koresh or whoever out in the streets, and they chose this as a spectacle, and then they used military tactics, and then they used CS gas, which is outlawed for use in foreign wars on their own people, knowing that like 26 children that were still in there did not have the, the, the possession of gas ma- effective gas masks. So even if a fire didn't break out, how, how do you justify what you did there? I mean, I don't know. Pretty hard to justify, honestly. I have a hard time. I know a lot of people use a post hoc rationalization of the uh, the supposed, uh, and I don't know how much truth there is to it. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying it is true. Uh, the aspect of that kids were being molested there or some shit. 
I mean, mm -hmm. I have done, I remember I've gone on dives on that before and I, it doesn't seem to be that well founded, but I mean, there is something to it, I believe, if I recall. Uh, but I guess CPS when they're a whole, a whole shitload of times and never found anything to corroborate it. Although to be fair, what is CPS really ever going to turn up in something like that? Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's really hard to justify it aside from just like, Hey, you were supposed to do what we told you to do and you didn't do it. So we're going to keep going. Well, didn't uh, that, uh, fucking, uh, Chipman who was going for ATF, didn't he say that they had like, um, 50 caliber machine guns. They opened fire on, uh, federal helicopters and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, don't think that's the case. Right, I yeah. think they might have shot, popped a couple shots up at the helicopters. But right. e e either way, yeah. like y the whole thing was started supposedly under the premise that they're endangering children. So right. let's spray CS gas into right. this facility for the sake of the children. For the sake of the children, it's kind of like back what I was saying about Randy Weaver. It's like, uh, what was he hurting, and how did you hurt them so much more than mm. than like it's like hey, there's this problem, and they could be hurting people, so let's go hurt them so much harder, right? And then they wonder why there's this movement of mistrust in the government when, and, and then this is so publicized too. I mean, the compound burned down on live television. Oh yeah, we, we right. watched we watched eighty six people burned to death yeah. at the hands of our government. So whoever's fault it was, I don't even fucking care. Oh no, <laughs> it's like, right? No, I'm no. You don't bounce back from that too easily, right? No, for sure. I mean, I definitely lean towards that it was the uh, it was the government that started the fire. But even if they didn't start the fire, it's like they kind of, you know, they created this whole situation to mm -hmm. where you know, I mean, I don't know. I guess I mean the the idea that this was going to go down well was was pretty stupid. I, mm -hmm. I don't I don't. It's really hard to defend Waco in any way, shape, or form, honestly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and uh, I mean, I think everybody's familiar with the Waco story. We don't have to dig too deep into it. Right. Um, there was the whole Waco uh, miniseries that came out a couple of years ago, and I was actually surprised. I mean, they they didn't really lean towards either side, which I was kind of surprised it didn't lead more towards like the pro government side of it because any mm -hmm. any mainstream article you read, right. it's like. Well, there's documented proof that they were saying start the fires or pour the gasoline and stuff. It's like, yeah, right. but who 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 documented that? That the FBI yeah. agents that <laughs> Right. Yeah. were complicit in all of this? Yeah, right. The same yeah, ones the, that the said they had 50 the evidence they point to. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, you're the good. evidence they the evidence they pointed to from that from what I recall was extremely dubious. It wasn't it was like out of context stuff that you know, it can be interpreted multiple ways. It was definitely not a smoking gun of, they were like, let's set this place on fire. Like right. It was, you know, I, I don't remember the details, but I do remember hearing that and uh, people saying that. And it is, it's dubious at best. So. Well, even if, even if David Koresh is a hundred percent responsible for what happened there, there was full front page articles of his belief system that this oppressive government was going to come in and they were going to basically destroy mm -hmm. them all. And so when the government, federal government is coming in with full force of the military, right. the way he was, all you did was reassure his, his ideology, his, his crazy thoughts in his head. All you did was make that a realization to him and, possibly push him to this point where he would have mm. done something if, if that was his goal that hey we're, we're going to be martyrs for this you just set the stage for his his right. mentality 
Yeah, you're just proving him right. Uh, it's the same thing, uh, you know, the the Duncan Lemp thing. Um, I guess one thing the cops focused a lot on that case was the fact that, uh, like, I guess on his door, he set up, like, kind of like a dummy shotgun, like, tripwire type mm-hmm. thing or something along those lines. Uh, not to hurt, it wouldn't hurt anyone. It would just kind of make a loud noise and alert you. Yes. Uh, and that was one thing they pointed to a lot. And um, by the way, I got confirmation of that because that was one aspect of the case that was kind of gray. Uh, but I got confirmation from that from uh, um, Jessica. Jessica? Oh, fuck, I forgot her name. But uh, Duncan's uh, girlfriend. And yeah, that was a thing. But anyways, point being is it's like they try to point to you like, look at him. He was so concerned about like, you know, this. And it's like, yeah, well, right. you just proved him right yeah if anything you didn't go far enough <laughs> like, right uh you know so yeah that's i mean yeah. that's but that's the, just like saying somebody that puts an alarm system in their house they're just fucking paranoid that somebody's right. gonna come kill him <laughs> yeah that that is why literally why you put an alarm right. system yeah. in your house yeah but it also goes to the mentality of the the people not worried about the patriot act well if they weren't right. doing anything wrong why would they have to worry about it right right and that's kind of it it's weird the mentality we shifted in shifted to from that 90s like the government's going to come get us to i don't know if it's because of because of 9-11 and we shifted now our focus from the big bad government right. to the big bad brown people in uh iraq iraq and afghanistan um but yeah the m- mentality was well what's the government going to do wrong if you're not doing anything wrong right. it's like how did we get from that that sentiment of the 90s to that hey let let's glom on to the patriot act of right. the 2000s I mean, probably just obviously 9-11. I mean, this is what happens when any major thing happens. Yeah. Uh, I think people, while there was diminished faith in the government, it was still enough to kind of like where, you know, one big event, it swings it back, which, you know, this yeah. is kind of the thing I keep ringing about. This is one thing Richard Booth brought up as well, is I do think we are genuinely in a, uh, I know I sound like a kooky conspiracy, but I think there's a genuine concern that there could be some sort of false flag or something along those lines, or maybe even a genuine thing that will completely gin up, yeah. uh, you know, energy to the the establishment's favor, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or at least they'll try. And the the hope hope the hope the hope here is that enough people start to see how these guys operate and mm-hmm. realize that like, hey, maybe don't just jump on every story right away. Like even nine eleven. Like I've never done like too many deep dives, but I know at the very least there's a lot of. A lot of weird connections with Saudis and a lot of our guys, you know, covering up shit. So mm-hmm. it, you know, it like if you just don't go knee jerk reaction, like oh my god, the fucking terrorists, <laughs> right? You know, like you can start to see a little bit clearer, like yeah. you know, fuck, we went after what well, Iraq because I think they made some weird convoluted financial case, which uh, that somehow he somehow backed fucking Bin Laden. It, it mm. was it was nonsense. Somehow uh, tied it in. We, we still yeah. to this day don't know why, but somehow. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there was plenty of people that thought that the terrorists from 9-11 were hiding out in Iraq at that point. Just the way the media operated, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty of it, too. It's like, yeah, fucking go to Iraq and kill the terrorists, too. It's just mm-hmm. like um, that was the propaganda that was being peddled at the time. Yeah. Um, well, it was Bush's whole, well, if you're not with us, you're against us. Yeah. Right. So he looked over Saddam Hussein and kind of pointed his finger and was like, What'd you say? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So, what you were saying about um, what your guest, I can't think of his name again, Booth, something Booth, um, was, Booth. yeah. And what, what he was saying about looking at today, when I was listening to the early episodes and kind of the government response leading up to the OKC bombing, when I was listening to the episode, I literally 
said out loud, oh, fuck, they're going to do it again. Because just the, the parallels between the, the sentiment of the government, like kind of pushing this whole uh, domestic terrorist narrative leading up to OKC, it just lined up so perfectly with what we're seeing today within the last couple of years since uh, uh, January 6th with this whole push against domestic terrorism. I'm like, they're going to do it again. And within like mm-hmm. two episodes, I think he came out and he was like, I want to put it past him to do it again. I was like, shit, <laughs> just prove <laughs> yeah. my point. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely something I'm concerned about for sure. Uh, it, it is like, I do think, I mean, maybe most people, I don't know how your audience is, but most people who pay attention probably know it's about a year or two ago. They started, there'd be little dribbles of like in the mainstream media of like articles of like, or, or even I think there were some, uh, some of the like, I don't know if it's Congress or the Senate or what. There are a few uh, major figures that are going around saying like, oh, the next big threat is domestic terrorism. White, mm-hmm. obviously they'd always attach that white supremacist label to it as well. Yeah. But, you know, and like, that's the big issue. And it's like anyone who actually pays attention uh, in a genuine way and has a good, be- like, you know, good finger on the pulse mm-hmm. type deal. They know that that's not a genuine uh, – the idea that white supremacy is running rampant in the United States in modern day is just silly. Uh, I can't take anyone serious who says it. Like, right. I mean, are there white supremacists? Sure. Like, Are there militia movements that have white supremacists? Sure, probably. Mm-hmm. But the idea that some sort of you know actual legitimate threat of like white supremacist groups – or even Christian nationalists, which I know some people make that case. It's just silly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't take it seriously, especially when you kind of like have a beat on like what the militia movements kind of look like now. It's probably mm-hmm. a lot of generic right wingers, and then a lot of the boob types right now, probably. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I got this article here from 1995, May 4th, 1995. So this was just after the OKC bombing, and there's so many parallels. It. Almost sounds like it could be written like post January 6th. Um, so I, I wanted to read a little bit from this. This is titled The Militias, Guns and Bitter. Um, this it's was. It's not even good. I gotta say that. It's just this is a shitty title. Yes. Least just short. I thought it was gonna be like a good pun. <laughs> nope. Like, no, just nope. Not at all. It, it, nothing. Um, so it says, as the ominous crime bill made its way through Congress last summer, a sense of foreboding swept through the ranks of the Florida Patriot Network. I mean, just picture 2022 as the date on this instead of right. 1995. It says, uh, one of the dozens of paramilitary citizen groups formed over the past two years in many states. Convinced the bill was another infringement on the right to bear arms, the self-styled militias broke into small units called triads, to better prepare for a possible confrontation. Fueled by an intense hatred of federal law enforcement, the group's most extreme members went even further. Some wanted to more or less go into becoming survivalists, a head-for-the-hills type organization. I guess you could say some people decided to go underground. They've had enough, explained leader John Adams, who heads a small splinter group that meets in a private hall in Stewart, Florida. Is his name really John Adams? <laughs> I, I mean, you got to be the head of a patriot right. movement if yeah, your right. name is John Adams. I think it's your birthright. Adams, members of his cell are still trying to work within the political system, although their disillusionment is profound. So scrolling down, because they, they get into... Um, 
They get into the Oklahoma City bombing because it says the militia movement is under intense scrutiny in the wake of the Oklahoma City federal building bombing, an act motivated at least in part by anti-government fervor, authorities believe. With suspect Timothy James McVeigh linked to extremist militias in Michigan and Arizona, the group suddenly are no longer seen as largely harmless. Weekend warriors donned in camouflage and battle fatigues. And that's kind of, I feel what most people... Like you basically describe that as the the boog movement today is like most people just see them as like like uh, larpers running around right. in fatigues carrying AR-15s, yeah. Um, not take them serious, but it's going to take like I feel like a government, the government needs an event like the Oklahoma City bombing for people to take that seriously. And that's why it scares the shit out of me. And that's, yeah, because they they were trying to do that with January 6th, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, try to make it real scary, try to take over the Capitol building, uh, AOC crying in her bathroom, you know, whatever. Right. And and it just didn't pan out that way. You know, the whole trial this summer they thought was going to be the biggest blockbuster since Top Gun 2. Yeah. And nobody cared. And so, yeah, they need something else to make that threat real to them and... They're due, right? I think he brought up a good point there with the January sixth. Uh, my only, my hope is, uh, like, because it does kind of seem like if you're just going to read the tea leaves of what the, the elites are doing, is they were kind of trying to make January sixth in a certain sense. Maybe they're OKC essentially. Mm-hmm. Where like, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they were like, yeah, we won't go as hard because you know they're not really willing to commit. You know, being safe kind of deal. And they're like, well, we'll just do this, and like we can gin up, and it didn't work. And if anything, it made their problem worse. Right. And the only thing I can hope is, you know, and I think there, I think there is some genuine truth to uh, the aspect of why they, you know, if we're gonna, you know, uh, make a lot of conjecture, why they did January six and not an OKC right off the bat, it's because in this modern day they they kind of can't get away with it as well as they could in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a lot harder. There's so much more moving stuff going on. You know, they have to be just blatantly shuffle thing, uh, things under the rug uh, to alert too many people. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think, you know, there's something to that. Uh, and even then with January 6th, a lot of people, like a lot of stuff started coming out and you're like, come on, you, right. you're, you're fuck with me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I, I'm, my only hope is if they do some sort of OKC, it will be like right off the bat. You know, I mean, we have like people like me and you and then Richard Booth and a lot of other people are already kind of pointing out like, hey, uh, it, I wouldn't be at least be surprised if something pops off. So if something pops off, it's kind of like, I mean, at the very least, I mean, obviously I don't want anything to happen. I don't want any you know, innocent people to get hurt. Uh, you know, to be clear, if the mirror building only got ATF uh, fucking people, I wouldn't be as enraged about it. Right. Uh, you know, I still would think it was dumb. Uh, but the fact they took out kids make it made it you know abhorrent. And obviously, I'm sure there were a lot of you know civilian people there. They're just you know I don't know probably some little grandma working a part time job as a you know receptionist. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you can't. It's kind of hard to bill her and be like you know put her on the same level as like a through and through ATF agent. Sure. Uh, but you know there. You know, so point being is yeah, I, I hope if this something like this does happen that you know people you know kind of like right off the bat are like you know fuck you get out of here and you know, mm. I'm sure a lot of things might come to light real quick. But I don't know if you guys saw that Anne Hesh thing, which I haven't really yeah. done a deep yeah. dive in that yet. There's a lot of weird shit right off the bat. They're mm, like, what right. the fuck? And so I'm hoping that like if something like OKC happens, especially when you're dealing with so many moving parts, so you to set up an op like this, there'll be you know hopefully just like a myriad of like. You'll be like, look at this bullshit, look at this bullshit, look at this bullshit. And, and just, you know, it'll glow right off the bat. Right. Yeah, that's that's why I think it's important to do episodes like this where we like take a look at 
the past because mm. we can make so much parallelism. I mean, like I said, reading this article, you can put the date right. 2022 on it and see how the government mindset works right. and um, see how the narrative mm. works. And it's like the exact same narrative that they were mm. pushing back then, they're pushing today. This goes on to say... Uh, with President Clinton pushing for stepped-up law enforcement authority against domestic terrorism, fallout from the OKC bombing has begun to shake the militia movement. Well, and you brought up a good point, Craig. Um, government doesn't change their strategies, right? Yes, right. I mean, they, they keep doing the same stuff over and over again, and they just hope to distract you with other stuff so you're not paying attention. But, I mean, they've been doing the same shit for the last 50 years, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's... So if if you notice the patterns, you can kind of try to pick up. And that's why, yeah, like you said, I mean, another OKC seems evident with when you follow the patterns and the cycles. Mm-hmm. So the, the one sentence I wanted to read I alluded to earlier was it says President Clinton this week escalated his criticism of paramilitary groups that espouse violence. He said, we must also stand up against people who say, I love my country, but I hate my government. So that's mm. that's what I was getting to earlier right. on, where I'm like, is it really unpatriotic to say I love my country, but I hate my government? Mm. I mean, we see all these examples of why to fucking hate this government. Right. Um, and then even if even if a lot of these situations were exactly by the the mainstream narrative like the OKC bombing or Waco or Ruby Ruby Ridge even if the people were 100% at fault the fact that there's so much cover up and it's hard to find like get a straight story out of the people that are supposedly giving the true story it's like I, we've said it all the time it's like you'd do yourself a favor in the eyes of conspiracy theorists if you would just come out and be open with shit instead right. of covering up so right. much shit yeah, I don't have much to say on that. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but I feel like that's part of the strategy in itself, you know? Yeah. Keep the confusion. Well, I, I feel like they don't want to necessarily tone down Mm-mm. the violence because they they need that kind of right the bad guy or something. You know, they need mm-hmm. they need a little bit of discontent so they can build up their base or they, they can build up their narrative. They they need somebody that's pushing against that so they can win elections. Be Absolutely. like, well, you don't want to be a white supremacist, do you? Or right. you don't want to be uh, Antifa? Or, yeah. you know, there's really yeah. no push to tone down the, yeah. the discontent with our government. It's Mm-mm. it's more like, well, they're just stupid and white supremacists right. or they're just uh, terrorists. It, there's no, like, trying to build back the trust in the government, no. I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely not. I think, uh, I mean, it, it like they kind of pulled it off with OKC. I just, I think we're getting to a time, and I'm kind of repeating myself here, that where it's getting harder and harder for them to pull this off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I guess I am hopeful for the future, although, I mean, I'm literally on here saying I think, you know, another something similar to an OKC event is, is inevitable, but I, I also think the fallout from it will probably not be the same or what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, you know, they are, you know, like you guys are pointing out, repeating strategies. They Their playbook kind of stays the same. Uh, I, I mean, to, to some extent, like I was kind of implying, I think, 
if we're going to kind of play, you know, if we're going to conjecture here, I think, you know, there's maybe a chance they went with a January 6th narrative, hoping that that would actually work and it didn't. So mm-hmm. I do think they are to some extent mindful of their pitfalls, but I don't think enough. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's going to keep backfiring. I, I think if this does happen again, I mean, it depends. I could be wrong, could eat my words. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm a little more hopeful than I should be. Mm-hmm. But I really don't think we're going to get this, like, uh, you know, people really completely buying back into the narrative if something like this happens. Yeah. I really think. And unless they pull off the perfect op or some shit and, like, mm-hmm. you know, no no holes in it whatsoever, uh, which in a certain sense, they almost have more capabilities to do stuff like that mm-hmm. now. Right. Yeah. But this thing. But the same point, not really. It's kind of this idea of centralized power versus decentralized power. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they may have more, you know, they can do deep fakes and stuff like that. But we have like, you know, a million autists just looking for shit. So right. it's only, right. that power is only growing. So, yeah, maybe individually they aren't as powerful. But, you know, as, as a group, you know, that are like not operating, you know, cohesively in some sort of centralized manner. Yeah, it's going to fuck them. So, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I feel like they they almost got everybody pulled together when covid kicked off i was just going to yeah. bring up covid because and how that yeah applies. because when it first started off i mean yeah i was like oh shit you know uh and you know i would again would come home from work and take off my work clothes throw it in the washer you know just was super careful and everything and until all of a sudden holes started showing up in the narrative and then it started like what the fuck you know but i remember people putting signs up on their windows like we're all in this together and stuff oh, like yeah, that yeah. you know and so yeah, um, they almost had a 9-11 moment there yeah. where we all came together as a country. But I, I feel like, speaking of, I guess, mistrust in the government or anti-government sentiment, I feel like COVID produced more of that than oh, even yeah. even 9-11. Well, 9-11 brought it up, but even like uh, Waco or Ruby Ridge, I think COVID mm-hmm. kind of yeah. made that more of a mainstream mistrust in the government overall. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they overplayed their hands so fucking hard there, like so hard. Like, and it's I don't know if it's like the contrast because yeah, like I I mean I'm like an anarchist, like I fucking I, I like I'm not a big fan of government, like. But when this COVID thing came, like don't get me wrong, I was very like I was skeptical, but I also was like, well, I'm going to operate, you know, as if it's worst case scenario. I I still never advocated whatsoever for shut uh, shutdowns because I knew all the you know theoretical implications of that. Mm-hmm. But even then, still, I was like, when it first started kicking off, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get way back in shape and start eating better because I knew like, hey, uh, I probably should like you know be be in better physical shape because I had mm-hmm. no idea at that right. point. All we really had was all the crazy videos from China and shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how much this is bullshit, how much is real. So it's like I might as well act like it could be. And I knew, you know, the best thing to do probably is to get in shape, eat better. Uh, you know, like yeah, I definitely I'm not a super social guy, so I'm not like a guy who goes to large gatherings. So that wasn't an issue. Uh, I mean, you still got to work, you still got to do your shit. I got to pay the bills. But yeah, so I think a lot of people, even people of our ilk, bought into it in that aspect. I mean, not bought into it might not be the right way to put it. They're still like, okay, because they kind of gave you like a sort of plausible narrative. Right, right. And they, ha- and they hadn't really fucked us over super hard in a while. So we're like, <laughs> okay, whatever. I mean, they had, but you, you know what I mean? Not in this yeah. grand type of way. Yes. Uh, you know, like it's like we're on a different level now. Like, yeah, yeah. we have COVID, we have January 6th. Right. Like, it's like, and if they, we, there is this perspective, like, okay, see, these are differing levels in the shit we had experienced before. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are other landmark events like OKC before. But uh, I don't think we had the sort of consciousness like we do now to where we're really seeing it for what it is. So, yeah, um, 
I, I do think that they definitely overplay their hand. That's going to probably, you know, backfire. I think maybe that's yeah. a lot of what this is, is trying to like, uh, trying to like, you know, I don't know, grasp the straws, kind of pull their shit together. I think their shit's unraveling. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how this presents itself. Uh, at all um you know i don't know it's not like i think the federal government's gonna you know disappear anytime soon right. but i don't know for the next decade i wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing session movements we start maybe start seeing uh you know certain uh states start you know kind of flouting the federal government doing whatever they want mm -hmm. uh, i don't know maybe more militia movements you know or like uh I don't know, more people, you know, more parallel economy type stuff sprouting up. But I think we're also going to see with more of that, I do think we'll see the inverse. Because I think, uh, you know, like uh, we, we always see this agenda 2030 shit and, yep. mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, I think in a certain sense, they're going to win in the short term, mm -hmm. in a certain sense, depending on how you, uh, you, you define win. Because I know everyone's seen that, uh, you know, you'll live, you'll, you'll own nothing, you'll be happy. If everyone's read that article, they mm -hmm. point out that like this, they point out this like fantasy, you, you know, utopia to anyone who's like, you know, has any sort of grasp on, you know, libertarian theory. There, it's, it's the opposite of utopia. But the, the, how they were trying to present it was like utopia, like oh, everyone will all get along, and you know, whatever you need, you'll just, you know, you'll get mm -hmm. it. And, yeah. But you don't own anything or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but they even pointed out in that article, like, well. They'll be, you know, in this in this scenario, there are obviously going to be these people who didn't quite buy into this, and they'll be living on the outskirts. And yeah. obviously, they described them in very disparaging terms. But I, I do think that is actually likely what our future will look like. I think we will probably have something like, you know, smart cities or whatever, mm -hmm. where people have all these like fancy amenities, but then you know, uh, are fucking, you know, it's but they're, you know, it's super authoritarian in a sense, right. mm -hmm. uh, kind of like high tech North Korea is maybe right. not to completely there, but. And I think on the outskirts, you'll see more rural type lifestyles of people, you know, uh, I do think they'll still have technology and stuff. I'm not saying they live in the dark ages, but uh, I, I think that's likely to be kind of what we'll see in the future. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing as long as you're on the right side of the divide. So I think more people on our side of the divide will make it better. So. Do you think those people on the outside on are going to be deemed as some sort of domestic terrorist type? Do you think they'll uh, go that, that hardcore with it? I mean, maybe, maybe not. I think it more be, if I had to guess, it'd be kind of more of the same condescending language as the, you know, the the coastal elites kind of use for, you know, middle America already, uh, maybe to a further extent. Or anti-maskers or anti-vaxxers, the yeah, way right. they portray us. Right. Just, we'll just probably characterize them as like dumb hicks or yeah, whatever, you know, right. in their backwards ways. And it's like, okay, yeah. you know, have fun with that. <laughs> you know, which is yeah. kind of, it's kind of similar today. I mean, uh, I think COVID opened a lot of people's eyes of like, uh, I mean, I'm not holding it against anyone that lives in a, like a city type lifestyle, but I don't know. It sounds like a fucking nightmare to me right. now that oh, I yeah. like I live in the country. I have a couple acres. And I mean, I don't think I'm all country country, but like, uh, you know, like I, I can't imagine having like an apartment with my family in the oh, fucking yeah. mm -hmm. city or some shit. Right. It'd yeah, be no a fucking kidding. nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, a lot. Of, I had a friend of mine uh, just a year ago in New York on vacation so that they were I mean, they were quarantined. Mm -hmm. just being in town there. They had to stay in their hotel room and stuff. And so, I mean, it's like, yeah, it just sounds like a nightmare being in a city still. So to, to kind of wrap up the 90s, um, take it back for a second, do you think we were on the cusp of something, some sort of change, or do you think it was just all um, hyped up? It's a hard question to answer. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know. That's like one I'd have to think on a little bit. I mean, maybe... Uh, I don't know. I really, I really can't give you a good answer to that one. I can't even like pull shit out of my ass. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, I definitely think there was like a, 
I mean, maybe, but it, like not enough. Like, because obviously they were able to sway things by just making some major event. Where I guess you could make a, a case that the you know the the consciousness the consciousness of the nation wasn't elevated enough to really or whatever you know uh, line of thinking you want to use to apply mm-hmm. to it. But like it seems to be they were still susceptible to falling into it. But it definitely seemed to be there was kind of a raising a rising awareness of like, whoa, this is this is some bullshit. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's always a slowly a losing battle for them, but it kind of ebbs and flows. You know, mm-hmm. It's kind of the, uh, the eternal, what is it? Oppenheimer. I said, I think said it's like the predator predator class and the productive class or something like that. So it's like this constant battle against the two. And I think over time, the productive cl- class will win, Yeah, but it's going to take a while. So to wrap this up, I've got this video that just came out yesterday from CNN and it just applied so well because, um, they're applying uh, anti-government sentiment to the pushback against the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act and the the buildup of the IRS. And I want you to hear how um, condescending this this dude is from CNN. So let let's watch this real quick. If in their words, Oliver, you know, we got short shrift this week, the House passing that historic climate bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. One of the components of the bill is a lot more funding for the IRS to hire tens of thousands of more IRS agents in order to try to make sure people are paying how much they're supposed to pay. What was that called on the right? It was called a terrifying overreach by the government. The reason I'm bringing it up is mm-hmm. let's, just, let's just call it what it is. MAGA media's hatred of government is reaching a new high when you have a combination of these FBI stories and the IRS getting a lot more funding. This is a new peak in terms of that anti-government sentiment. So it's no wonder that there's concern in, with inside government about security and about threats. Yeah, and I mean, the, the rights always advocated for small governments. But in this case, it's, I think, the, particularly when you're talking about the FBI, it's not necessarily uh, pro-small government approach are taking. They just want to defund the whole thing and, and abolish it because it's uh, probing a political uh, figure that they happen to support. And mm-hmm. I, I think what you have to point out repeatedly, and I know we have, is that when the FBI was investigating Hillary Clinton, you know, they were very supportive of the FBI. So what do you think of that? I think I agree with everything he said, uh, just maybe for the opposite reasons they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know if it's a Freudian slip, but do you notice how when he's like, when he said the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, he put air quotes on it? He's like, the Inflation Reduction Act, like, we all know it's not right. going to, yeah. like, reduce inflation. And he's supposedly siding with all these bills. He's like, this historic bill, right. the Inflation Reduction Act. It's like, do you think that was a Freudian slip that he yeah. knows he... he he secretly knows, but he doesn't know. Right. I, I don't know. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd necessarily apply too much thinking of that. Yeah. I mean, I think he's maybe, maybe not. Maybe he just really likes using air quotes. Yes. <laughs> maybe he just misuses air quotes. <laughs> right. Like Donald Trump uses his according hands right, too yeah. much. Um, but, but the part that got to me was he's like, He's like praising this buildup of the IRS by adding like 80,000 members. He's like, yeah, all we're doing is just going to try to make sure people are paying their fair share of taxes. And um, the the right obviously conflates this and pushes this whole anti-government conspiracy. And it's like, um, I don't know of any way this could turn out good when the IRS is um, on their job description saying – you you have to have the mindset that you could use deadly force right. if needed. Yeah. Execute yeah, no, warrants sure. and do arrests. Yes. I mean, they just became the the largest federal police force. Yeah. Right. And 
not to kick this can down, but you know, when you look at the WEF's plan to, you know, take away private property and make you happy about it, if you want to take away someone's private property, what's the best way to do it? You're not paying your taxes on it. We got to take your house. Yeah. Just remember, kids, it's always moral. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, maybe not smart. <laughs> so, so to wrap this up, where do you think we are with anti-government sentiment today? I I know um, you basically had a dire prediction that hey, we're probably going to lose in the short term in this. But do you do you think more people are? Do you think people are actually rising up to where they may do something, or do you think it's mostly just like social media? swinging dicks around uh well okay i i guess there's a couple of things there to do something i think uh i guess it depends i think what the problem is too many people and this is kind of a problem with statism as, as well as it is with libertarianism is you know this do something it's kind of like every time there's a gun thing or you know like a, a mashing we have to do something and i think a lot of the same thing happens with all like libertarian circles we want to do something and you know ironically it typically ends up being political action uh, I mean, I'm trying to have an argument with that. I mean, sure, maybe there's some merits to political action, but I think, like you kind of were getting at earlier, the best thing you could do is start setting up your life to be more independent. Obviously, weighing your the risks to the benefits. Don't I'm not saying immediately stop paying all taxes, mm -hmm. but you know, maybe look into ways that you could you know shuffle things around or or whatever or what have you. The the more money you're keeping, the better. Create uh, multiple fucking uh, revenue streams. Start. You know, uh, I don't know, trying to, you know, interact locally with uh, people if you can. A whole myriad of things, uh, which is essentially just creating a uh, counter market or a, a parallel market or what have you. Because uh, I think that's really the only true way to win in the long run or to have a better. And that's in and, and the other thing I want to touch on is you said, oh, we'll lose. I actually, uh, to be fair, uh, or I mean, I'm not like trying to shit you or anything, but mm -hmm. I said, I, I said the, the like the global uh, world economic forum or whatever is. I think they will win, at least in the short term. But I also think we'll win uh -huh. if you're on the right side of the thing. Yes. A lot of people talk about this white pill, black pill bullshit. I don't really – I'm not a big fan of that because mm -hmm. it's a matter of like, okay, it depends on what you're doing really. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, not everyone's going to make it, but I think some people will do well. And the future I kind of, you know, sort of um, imagined or whatever, you know, where we have the people living in the outskirts, I actually think they'll probably have uh, – more rewarding, fulfilling, and you know, just better lives in general than the people living inside, oh, yeah. you know, living in the pod or whatever. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, cool. You won't have these fancy, you know, all some of the fancy amenities, but you know, is that really what life's all about? I, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you know, I think a lot of people would prefer having slightly more outdated technology or or maybe not as much uh, amenities. Oh, oh, cool. I have a pool that's you know. A quarter of a mile down the road or whatever as opposed to i think a lot of people prefer be like well i'd rather have my two to ten acres where i don't have mm -hmm. to deal or you know i have my own little slice of paradise i think a lot of people would prefer that well, uh, yeah. so i think we're both gonna win and i think the uh the elites will lose in the long long run well so. you, you mentioned like maybe we'll be slightly less up-to-date and technology or whatever you are saying it, it takes me back to like the amish people it's like they're they're what we would consider way behind the technology but do you think they're living miserable lives doing what they're doing i mean maybe some of them sure but i feel like they're more free than any of us are 
Oh, I've argued with my wife a million times about maybe we should consider it. even her being like kind of like ah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean I need to figure out a way to get into the Amish community. I, I'd be for it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that sounds awesome. Honestly, yeah, me too. <laughs> I um, you had brought up a while ago on one of our shows that uh, it sounded like feudalism. Yeah, and I mean that, and to me, I guess that's where it takes me is like. Uh, you're you're not supposed to be hunting on this land. You're not supposed to be fishing on this land. You know, mm. so I think that they crack down even more so on the people outside the city to discourage that kind of living. Yeah, I don't know. It could go anyway, really. Right. So, um, I guess we'll find out when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I like what you're where the direction you're going. Like the best form of I guess anti-government sentiment would be just getting out from under the umbrella of the government and being more self-reliable yeah. uh, because i mean even if in the at the end of the day they they do crack down on it, at least you gave it a fair shot oh no, i mean absolutely. you have a better shot right. of that than taking up arms against the federal government right. yeah. that's for sure yeah. i agree uh, to touch a little bit i guess the kind of point is game with the do something thing is people think do something and they think uh i don't know some sort of political action or some shit mm -hmm. whereas like uh, and a lot of people, you know, kind of have this like flip in their head where I'm like, hey, you know, uh, kind of maybe set your life up better. And like they don't see that as do something, which if anything, that's more of a do something than the other thing. And it's mm -hmm. also more of like an actual, you know, have a positive effect in your life. And I think mm -hmm. that kind of spreads out. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're actually doing something that actually requires and that requires more effort, too. Sure. I mean, it really does, because, you know, it's a lot easier to be like, well, I'll sign this position or 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 sign this petition or I'll advocate for this, you know, one political candidate or whatever, or I'll, or I'll go hoorah when they fucking, you know, talk about uh, banning guns or whatever mm -hmm. the thing is, you know, but you know, it's a lot harder to actually do, you know, actually do something. Right. I think that's a good spot to wrap this up. That's a good point to, that we're talking about here of, of ending the, this, this anti-government show, I guess. And it's a happy way to end it. <clears throat> it is. It is. We typically don't end on a happy, no. a positive note. So, um, Jose, uh, let us know where people can find you, your podcast, anything more about you, what you're doing. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, all the major auto podcatchers, and Odyssey as well. Name of the show is No Way Jose. If you follow me on social media, I'm at Senor Jose 2020 right now. It's like my third account, maybe even fourth. I don't know. I've gone over 3K multiple times. They keep nuking me. Uh, but then I, uh, if you want to, you know, if you don't have to, if you want to have something to back up in case I get nuked, uh, you can follow me on Facebook. I'm Jose Gallison. and also my show, No Way Jose. I have a page for that as well. But, uh, I mean, I don't really do anything on Facebook, but if you want to, like, you know, hit me up a messenger or whatever uh, or be able to, you know, maintain contact in case I get nuked as opposed to Twitter, uh, that's where you can do it at. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got. All right. Nice. Well, Jose, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on. I think this Definitely. was a pretty interesting conversation. You even said on the break, you're like, I'm thinking of things that I never thought of before. Right. And I was like, well, that was kind of the point of this show was to just right. kind of talk through this time period and talk through how it relates to today. And I think we made a pretty good connection mm -hmm. and we ended pretty pretty decent on this one. So yep. thanks again for coming on, Jose. It was an, it was an awesome conversation. Yep. Thanks oh, thanks for, for having me. I appreciate you. You bring me on. All right, everybody, go check out Jose on the No Way Jose podcast. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. Um, it's it's a really good show. Especially check out that OKC bombing series because that was freaking fantastic. Otherwise, uh, check us out all over social media. We are everywhere, all the main social media platforms at Break the Bell Pod. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, 
Hit that subscribe button because we need to get our subscribers back up to where we were before we got nuked. Um, we got our new show, our new morning show. Uh, me partnering with Dance Mots of the System is Down podcast. It's called Two Scoops every Tuesday and Thursday morning when we feel like it. That is how I preface that. So um, that's 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's a 30-minute short-form new show. So check that out. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week. We will see you back here next time. Peace. Goodbye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Justin Zielinski, Remzo Martinez, Stephanie Parker, and Tio Jacobson. A shout out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On The Run Podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.